Blog Talk Radio. Despite Daniel Bryan's desire to return to his normal activities, it would be detrimental to his long-term health if he returned too soon. Even though Daniel is not cleared to compete this month, he will be reevaluated in the coming weeks to get him back into the ring as soon as possible. So there you have it. Daniel Bryan will be unable to compete at the the Money in the Bank ladder match pay-per-view. So, well, I know you guys, but you can't be that disappointed. I mean, you just can't expect an A-plus recovery from a B-plus player. That's right. You can't. And don't blame us. I mean, listen, guys, at the end of the day, this is not the Daniel Bryan fan club, okay? This is the WWE. It is a business. And what is best for business is having a champion that can actually defend his championship. Something that your beloved Daniel Bryan clearly cannot do at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Therefore, it is with heavy heart that we officially strip Daniel Bryan of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I said it last week, if Daniel Bryan could not compete, then unfortunately our hand is forced. We have to do what's best for business. Now, Daniel, our condolences go out to you. I know that you're hearing this for the first time right now. My assistant tried to call you earlier today, but you never returned her phone call. And and quite frankly, our condolences go out to your ungrateful wife, Bree, as well who, as it turns out, quit for absolutely nothing. (laughs) She is a shrewd businesswoman. She's something else, I'll tell you. Very, very bright. But, you know, this this really, unlike Daniel and Bree, the show must go on for everyone else. So, therefore, for the first time ever... There will be a WWE World Heavyweight Championship ladder match at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And who will have the honor of competing in that match? Well, there will be a series of qualifying matches. Therefore, the first entrant into the Money in the Bank ladder match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship will be... Alberto Del Rio! And that is not all. The second person... The second person entered, well, just deserves it because he is who he is. And that is the Viper, Randy Orton. We can guarantee you that at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, we will crown a new 
WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Amen to that. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for calling in to and joining us here on King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, June the 10th, 2014. Uh, this is King Jordan you're listening to. Today on the show, we will review uh, what went down on Raw last night, the upcoming TNA pay-per-view, and uh, much, much more. Here to discuss that and more is our wrestling insider out of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome back to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King. Great to be on. I should say right off, right off the bat, this week was uh, E3. If you don't know what E3 is, it is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. It's basically every, all the greatest minds and collaborators in the video game industry come together. And why am I bringing this up? Because it was announced that WWE 2K15, the video game, was on the show floor, and they announced it. And uh, they have only confirmed as of right now that John Cena, Cesaro, Hulk Hogan, and Bray Wyatt are officially in the new WWE 2K15 video game. Of course, more names will be announced as uh, the weeks come. You know, if you remember last year, they had a big announcement during SummerSlam. So it's a very exciting time if you're a fan of the video games. And I did hear the icon Sting is set to make his debut in a World Wrestling Entertainment video game. Any rumors? Any truth to those rumors? Well. As you mentioned, right now it's just rumors, but there's a very good possibility that Sting will be one of the characters who will be pre-ordered, much like the Ultimate Warrior was a pre-order character in last year's 2K14 video game. I think there's a good chance Sting will be the pre-order character. And um, there is no issue with putting in deceased wrestlers like Andre the Giant. So my guess would be that they would have uh, the Ultimate Warrior right back in it. What do you think? So, yeah, I mean, that would be great. Uh, as you pointed out, you know, wrestlers who have passed away, like Andre the Giant, even Eddie Guerrero, Randy Savage. So uh, I'm hoping that Ultimate Warrior, you know, especially because he's on good terms, the family, the Warriors family is on good terms with the WWE, that he will be, I hopefully, will be in, uh, included with this year's game as well. And actually, uh, you were about to say the Warrior, but it is true. The Warrior is on good terms if you actually follow the the, the WrestleMania path. He uh, made up with Vince, uh, you know, before WrestleMania. He uh, made up with the Hulkster. He made up with everybody. He left yeah. uh, with a good head on his shoulders, if you will. And uh, that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing indeed. And uh, we'll be also talking about uh, Sunday's uh, Slam Grocery TNA Presents. 
Slamiversary coming to you from where? Do you know? Um, off the top of my head, no, I, I do not know where they are at uh, this year for Slammiversary. Of course, it is their 12th anniversary of uh, total nonstop action wrestling. 12 years TNA has survived. <laughs> that beats out the uh, other one, ECW. Um, I believe 90, what, 93 to about 01 was ECW. And uh, let's see if we have uh, Mr. Brown or Mr. Valente. Caller four, you're on. We got Blackjack. How you doing? How are you, Blackjack? JJ, how are you doing, my brother? Brother Blackjack, what's going on, man? So far, so good. All right. Okay. Yeah, we were just talking about the uh, video game. And we were talking about the PNA upcoming pay-per-view. Uh, but I uh, I found some good stuff uh, that you guys are going to like. Um, let's see. Let's start with the news as he takes his anger out on these people from Twitter. Let's hit it. Uh, 23. Hello, Misfits. It's the most must-see WWE superstar of all time, The Miz, who also just happens to be the most awesome in the world at trash-talking. And you know what really grinds my gears? When I take out my phone, I click on my Twitter app, and I think, you know, maybe I'll see some really positive tweets, wonderful things said about me. But no, I get tweets like this. Hope The Miz's dad isn't watching this beating. Who are we kidding? Of course he isn't watching. <laughs> I'll have you know, my dad is watching his little baby boy. He's watching his son, who is a former WWE champion, two-time Intercontinental champion, four-time tag team champion. Let's go to high school, shall we? Let's step on down. Because I was the senior editor of the yearbook. I was on the National Honor Society, captain of the baseball and basketball team. Let's go to eighth grade because I won the spelling bee. What have you done lately? I was having trouble sleeping, and then I put on the Miz's new movie, best sleep medicine ever. Actually pretty good. And I'd like to thank you for watching my movies every night before you go to bed. You are the reason that the movies were both a success, The Marine 3 Homefront and Christmas Bounty. So thank you very much. And the final trash talking tweet. The Miz, you beautiful man you. Hashtag so hot. Hashtag want to touch the hiney. See, was that so hard to be positive? To all you people being very negative on Twitter, you faceless people, understand that you don't trash talk a trash talker. Trash talk somebody else. And then maybe you too can be awesome. I won the spelling bee. Well, JJ, very interesting. The Miz taking it out on the Twitter uh, haters. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, lots of guys. You know, I was. I think we even talked about it last week with Seth Rollins turning on the Shield. 
automatically everyone on Twitter you're are voicing their opinions, their hate, they're sending, you know, negative tweets or Seth Rollins. One minute the guy's loved and now he's hated. And, you know, Miz is one of those people who fans have you know, they've hated for a long time. They got you know, they don't always like the Miz. They think he's a bad wrestler and what do they do? They go on Twitter and they tweet him and they complain and you know, they bust his balls about, you know, stupid stuff. But at the same time, you know, he's had a successful career in the WWE. He's a former WWE champion. He main evented WrestleMania. He beat John Cena at WrestleMania with the, the Rock as the special enforcer. I mean, that's probably the ultimate, you know, main event. If you're a fan of wrestling and you're, fight, you're facing, you know, the face of the company and you've got one of the biggest stars in the WWE as well as in Hollywood who's a part of your match, and you you retain the WWE Championship. I mean, that really is any wrestling fan's dream, and The Miz actually did that. You know, he's a former Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, United States Champion, even Money in the Bank winner, and he's now a part of the WWE films. You know, he did do that Christmas bounty. It was, uh, I believe, on ABC Family or, or something. He's, he's starring in the Marine Four. So, you know, he's doing a lot of great things right now, and I'm happy for him. Um, I don't hate The Miz. I know a lot of people don't like him. Like I said before, some think he can't wrestle. But, you know, not everybody can be a Daniel Bryan or a Shawn Michaels. Everybody is who they are, and I think Miz goes out there. He tries his best. I do think he's a better trash talker. So what did he do? I think he gets wrestling, and he decided to take all these negative tweets and stuff, and he made a vlog about it. You know, he posted uh, that rant and going off on fans, and, you know, it's a way for him to have fun with it and, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, just, uh, like I said, to bring it to attention. Unfortunately, like I said, a lot of fans, they attack these guys, and sometimes they don't know the difference between reality and what they see on television, and they automatically, now they're bringing his family into the mix. They're talking crap about his dad, who has been seen on WWE television a few times. And I think, you know, once you start talking crap, one thing is you talk crap about the wrestler, what you see on TV. Right. One thing, but then to bring in the man's father, I think anytime you bring in someone's family, that's crossing the line. And unfortunately, a lot of people on Twitter will cross the line. You know, they they are nameless and faceless. They can open up an account. They can put, you know, whatever is their profile pic, and they can delete their account. They, you know, they're nameless people who it's very easy for them to be the toughest, baddest guy on the planet when you're on Twitter and you're just anonymous and you can say anything you want to people with no consequence so on that regard it's you know it's, it's kind of sad that people would go that route but like i said at the same time it seems like miz made a positive out of it and he made a vlog attacking these uh these people who are coming after him and just having a little fun with it so you know like i said i don't really have a problem with the miz i think uh for the most part he's a good guy yes and i am celebrating my five-year anniversary with facebook and believe wow. it or not, with Twitter. Twitter wow. How many years is that Twitter for you, King? Actually, to be accurate, Twitter, I started this year. I activated it, but I had it since 2009, so I had and it for five years. And why did you get yourself involved with this Twitter stuff? Social media. See, that's the I way of the say, world today. You want to do JJ? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, though I like to key, uh, like those uh, anonymous fans on Twitter. I like to stay anonymous this way nobody busts my balls and, you know, don't give me a hard time. See, this way you can say whatever you want. 
and whatever. And but mostly, I'm going around attacking people, so. Very simple way to get rid of anybody from Facebook if you don't know how. Uh, you just go, you don't even have to unfriend them. You block them. You oh, go to okay. their Facebook and you press block, and they can't even see you uh, onto oh. their account. That's awesome. So, uh, I, I used the block button before, and it you. is great. Whenever you got a headache and you just want to cut it off, block them. Just get rid of that piece of garbage. Very simple. Because then there are a lot of uh, trolls and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, if any of us paid attention to that, we need a head examined because if you pay attention to these jerks, you're giving them the satisfaction that they to desperately thrive for. What the hell so is a very troll? Important. What do you mean by troll? What the hell is that? Well, when well, you troll uh, Jake, do you want to take that? Yeah, trolling is basically you kind of give people a hard time. You sometimes, will, like I said, you'll bust their balls. You... You know, it's all using social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, and you follow people and you sort of harass them. You know, that's when you get trolled. And uh, your friend uh, Ivan, Captain Ivan, it's his birthday today, Blackjack. Well, happy birthday to Captain Ivan. No question. Uh, Before we proceed any further... Thursday is Joey Jackson. We will get into the Tracy Morgan situation and the Las Vegas shooting. If you missed OJ20, go to the archives and listen to it. Some people are calling it one of the best non-wrestling shows uh, that I've ever done. We've had, we had five people here, including uh, a former LAPD that was in the crime scene. So check that out. And also coming up June 23rd, Chris Tucker, Tom Mizero, and friends join King George Radio, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. West Coast Time, the tribute to the king, Michael Jackson. Okay, let's get into some other stuff. Chavo Guerrero, this, is, this one I think you'll like, Blackjack. He has some very interesting information that he told to Y2J, Chris Jericho, about Benoit. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened that last that last weekend? And we, we, you guys were traveling together. And it was just you two at this point in yeah, time, right? Just us, you know, um, so, oh, well, and, uh, Scott Arthur would jump in every once in a while with us, you know, right. kind of the three of us, you know. and um, So you'd meet at the airport for the beginning of a loop. Yeah, so I'd fly in from California, he'd fly in from, from Georgia, and we'd fly into wherever, let's say we flew into, you know, Louisiana, we'd meet, and then, we, you know, some one of us would get the car, and then we'd travel four days together, and then we'd drop the car off the airport, and we'd fly our separate ways home for two days and right back, and that was for, you know, eight straight months. So, uh, this one was a little different, because we were close to um, to Georgia, right? so I ended up staying, uh, we, we went home, and anytime. You know, a wrestler can spend the night in his own bed. He does, mm-hmm. whether it's three hundred mile drive or five hundred mile drive, mm-hmm. because we're you know we're never home in our in our beds. So we were able to go to his house, and I'd never even seen his house. He moved away from everybody. He moved to the rural rural part of of Atlanta, just so because you know he was such a you know a, a loner. He's a low roof, mm-hmm. and that he didn't want um, you know people to know kind of where he lived and stuff. He had a PO box. Really? Yeah, the whole deal. Did you ever go to his house? Yeah, so so we went wow. to his house and stayed at his house. And he, I remember he said, hey, guy, hey, 
I'm really private. Please, please don't tell anybody about my house. You know how it is. Wow. I was like, all right, cool, no problem, no problem, Chris. So we stayed there. We you and Scott? No, me, me oh, you by myself. We. Okay, you and yeah, Chris, gotcha. He and I. So we we stayed there that night and got up in the morning and he, uh, you know, by the time I woke up, he already had steaks and, and eggs ready to go for us. You know, mm-hmm. the, the protein diet. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. ready to go. We we're gonna work out. You know, and I saw his his son um, Daniel there, and uh, you know, I was the cruiserweight champ at the time, so I had a. Uh, I gave uh, you know Daniel the belt. He you know he really wanted to see the belt, so I know he went to Chris and he said, "Dad, can I can I?" And so Chris was like, "Ask him, ask him, can I can I see your belt?" And I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. of course." So he held the belt. I said, "You're the champ." We put him on him, took pictures with him, the whole deal, you know, and and all that. So we went from there and did our loop, did our you know four four days together, and then we ended up uh, ended up in in North Carolina, Charlotte, I believe, because we. Uh, We'd have seen an old friend from WCW. Remember Donna Seaman? Yeah, yeah, Donna, yeah. And Donna and her sister, Deb. We ended up, uh, um, the last night of the loop, we were all getting ready to fly home, we went to uh, go eat with them at night after the show. So we went and ate and stuff, and I just remember Chris ordering shots, like a tequila. Like, yeah, we're doing a tequila shot. Every once in a while, he'd be like, he never, you know, he'd have a couple beers and that was it. But every once in a door, while, yeah. he'd like, okay, let's do this. Or, and and yeah. they start drinking. Oh, all right. Or so. eat a whole cheesecake. Like yeah, he never yeah. ate a sweet, and then one day he just would like eat a whole one. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like what are you doing? Put yeah. one cheesecake. Yeah, yeah. Put the whole thing in his mouth. Yeah, right? the whole yeah. piece. And then laugh. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we're ordering shots. We're doing shots of tequila and stuff, having a good time. And then I was pretty jacked up, you know. So we go we go to our own room. I go to sleep, and we got to get up in two hours to catch mm-hmm. this flight. So I'm sleeping, set my alarm and everything. Well, we probably had eight shots of tequila, you know, a few beers. So next thing you know. I hear the door banging, bam, 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 bam. What the heck is that? Bam, 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 bam. I, what, what, I, I'm like in a dream. What? what I go to He's like, Chavo, we got to go. I'm like, what time is it? Oh, man, I slept through my alarm. I never sleep through mm-hmm. my alarm, ever. I slept through my alarm. I was like, oh, my, we, we got to catch this flight. So we jumped in the, in the we didn't know shower. We, I mean, I, was, I just threw all the stuff in, in, in my bag, and we jumped in the car, and we raced to the airport, and I, I ended up uh, we have, you know, getting to, to the plane, and, and he made his flight. I missed my flight. From okay, right. Gotcha. I missed my flight. So he made it just barely. You know, I had missed my flight. So I caught you know the next flight out an hour later. Um, when I landed in my connection, I landed in. Uh, we were in North Carolina, so he went to Atlanta on one hour flight. I had to go to to uh, Texas. I think I landed in Dallas. So I get a call from him. Hey man, just checking up on you. Did you uh, you know, did you make it okay? I said, yeah man, I'm okay. Thanks. You know, thanks for getting me up, man. I, God, I never sleep through my alarm. Ah, no problem, man. No problem. No problem. So. I went my way, he went his way, and in two and a half days, we were going to hook up again. You know, we were on the road again. So now it's uh, Belmont, Texas, I believe. And I... Uh, this is on like a Saturday or a Friday? Is, this is now Saturday morning. Okay. So the, the first one we left, might have been probably Wednesday morning. Yeah. So now it's Saturday morning, early. I land in Dallas, my connection, and uh, we always that's we always get on the phone and, you know, and coordinate. What time you get in, yeah. the whole deal, I'll pick you up, or he'll pick me up, whatever. So... Um, I call him, no answer. Then all of a sudden, I get a, a call from him. And he's like, oh, call right back. Hey, Chavo, hey, what's up, man? He sounds just off. I'm like, man, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm cool, man. Just just really bad, a really, really just bad weekend. And just, you know, Daniel and Nancy are sick, his wife, you know. And, you know uh, so you're actually talking to him at this point I'm in talking time. to him, yeah. And, he's, and this and, is basically after he's probably killed his wife. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. They're sick, you know, they're not feeling good. And I'm like, all right, all right, cool. And... Were you coming in? Yeah, uh, I missed my flight. I missed my flight, but don't worry. I'm going to catch another flight, and, and I'll be there. Okay, I could just call me when you get in, and I'll pick you up, you know, no matter what time it is. You know, I, we were landing in Houston. I had to drive to Belmont, and um, 
I was like, you know, don't worry about it. We're late, we're late. I'll, I'll wait for you. Okay, okay. So he gets off the, he getting ready to get off the phone, and and he goes, he makes a point. Which it stops. He goes, chavo, chavo. But yeah, and he goes, I love you. I said, I love you too, man. It wasn't too auto, you know, off off kilter because mm-hmm. we always tell each other we love each other. Yeah. But this one was really forced. It was not. It was not forced. It was really like made a point of it. It was like, hey, man, okay, I love you, brother. Okay, no, it was like, chavo, I love you. I want you to understand this. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't forget this. Coming from a man with very few words. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, I love you too, bro. So I hung up, and I thought that was strange. So I called him right back, and I go, hey man, are you are you all right? I'm fine, man. Like I said, I just had a a real hard weekend, you know, and and, and just you know, you know, real hard weekend, and they, I, mean, I had to go take him, you know, Daniel and Nancy to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, okay, man. Well, I'm here. Okay, okay, man. Okay, cool, cool. So then hung up, and that was the last I actually talked to him. I guess he'd call Scott Armstrong, too. We, He and I hooked up. Scotty, we hooked up, and we ended up driving, waiting for Chris. No call, no call, no call. I'm calling, hey, dude, did you miss your flight? Did you make your, another, your, your new flight? No call, no answer, no answer. Okay, well, I guess we got to drive. Well, if we got to come back, you know, we said if we got to come back from and go pick him up, we will. So we went to the show, and... You know, the agents were asking, where's Chris? Where's this, Chris? Is, this is a house show. House show. Right. House show. Where's Chris? Chris. The next day was, was, a, was a pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, yeah. In Houston. Well, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. Um, Mrs. Fly, you know, he's going to, okay, okay. So um, we drive to Houston the next day, me and me and Scotty. And, uh, and still no word still from Chris. Still no from Chris. We're calling him, okay, nothing. I get some texts on my phone at probably 5 a.m. And I get text from Chris. And so you wake up in the morning. You've got the not text. even before. I woke me up before oh, okay, at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I look and I look at the uh, my text and I'm like, that's weird. It says the dogs are in the enclosed pool area. The garage door is open. I looked at. It, I was like, well, that's weird. Is this one of those texts you get? You know, sometimes you get texts. You know, from three days ago, you never delivered, yeah, and then all of a sudden yeah. you got a text. And this is kind of the start of texting. You know, now it's a little different. But yeah, back it was then, 2007. A lot of times, you know, text didn't come through, and they got lost, and all of a sudden you got them. And I was like, what? Well, you get weird. half a text. Half a text. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. So, so okay, I, I wrote it off. Then I get another text from Nancy's phone, from his wife's phone, and it said the same thing. You know, the same text. That's really weird. Okay, whatever. Uh, I kind of wrote it off. So then, got to get up in two hours. So I got up. I look at, um, I go downstairs to meet uh, Scotty Armstrong, and uh, I look at him, I go, did you get some weird, anything weird last night happen? And he goes, yeah, I got some weird texts from, from Chris. I said, me too. Did it say this? He goes, yeah. So we call Chris. No answer, no answer, no answer. God, that's weird. So we go to the pay-per-view. Chris isn't showing up. And they're asking us, where's he at? Uh, I'm not sure. We're not sure where he's at. Now we're covering for him. We right. think maybe, you know. Blatantly lying for yeah. him now. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, you know, we're blatantly, you know, whatever. We're just coming from, no, I haven't heard from him. I don't know what's going on. Okay, great. Didn't tell us anything about the text, nothing. Did that, you feel something was going on weird something, at this point? Something was going on. Something was going on. And I remember Arn Anderson saying, this is later on in the day, because he was supposed to wrestle the pay-per-view. He was for, supposed to wrestle for the title. So yeah, the, the ECW championship against CM Punk. He was supposed to wrestle for him. Wrestle him. And this is a big match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Arn Anderson saying, you know what, if Benoit didn't show up with no word, he's either has just taken off to like Alaska and mm-hmm. he's going to be like a, you know, a merchant marine or something, or he's, or he's dead basically. That's, and, and, I remember and, him saying that not meaning it is he, he's right. dead, but there's something going on for him not to show up. 
and either option being just as viable because I could see him just going off to become a merchant marine and saying, and screw this. Yeah, 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 and being gone, you know, basically right. the, the ending of Dexter, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and then, uh, so I didn't say anything. We didn't say anything. The next day, we're in Corpus Christi for a super show, another super show. And uh, those damn super shows, man. I don't know what's got yeah. me And you still didn't know anything. We still didn't know. We've been calling, been calling, been calling. So finally, I go to Johnny Ace. I go, Johnny. Johnny was the head of talent relations. Mm-hmm. I go, Johnny, this is my phone. This is what I got yesterday. And he's like, you know, with his Johnny voice, Bravo, hey, what are you talking about? Why didn't you show me this yesterday? I said, Johnny, we're trying to cover for him. Mm-hmm. be honest with you, I didn't know what was going on. We're covering for him. He's like, all right, let me get on the phone. So I guess they called the Atlanta police or whatever, and, and I don't know anything about it. You know, that's the last thing I heard. And then all of a sudden, about an hour later, they do a big old meeting at the ring with all the wrestlers. And then they did this periodically, you know, to talk about, you know. Yeah, they would have like a, like a team meeting. Yeah, where the company's going or, you know, Vince had to say something big, you know. So yeah. we go to the meeting. We're sitting there, and I look at Ric Flair, and Ric Flair's crying. And, and I go, Rick, what's going on? And he goes, they're gone. I said, what do you mean they're gone? And I, this is before anybody knew anything. And he goes, Daniel, Nancy, and Chris. And I said, what do you mean they're gone? And I, ha- I had to hear it from his mouth. I couldn't hear, his, hear that. He said, they're gone. What do you mean they're gone? Those are dead. Just now, right now, my heart just dropped again. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I was like, and... and Vince hadn't announced it to everybody yet. And I'm sitting there ne- next to everybody, and I just put my head down and was like, oh, mm. what? Well, are you kidding me? This is like two years, a year and a half after Eddie died. Yeah. And, you know, I had another friend. This happened to another friend of mine. I was like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, man, I, then all of a sudden Vince announces it to people and saying, we don't know the circumstances at this time. All we know is that there's been a death, and uh, Chris Benoit is no longer with us, and his uh, son and his... Uh, uh, wife are no longer with us either. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know what's going on. So we're taking tonight, making a, making a tribute show to Chris. I pulled Vince. I freaking grabbed him in, in the back and was like, "What happened? I don't, what happened?" And he just hugged me, and I'm now I'm crying on Vince McMahon's shoulder, and I'm like, "No, not again, not again, yeah, not again." Yeah, not I'm again. crying on yeah. him. And he's hugging me like like a child. I mean, he's hugging me like really tight, you know. And I was like, "What? What the heck? You serious?" You know, it was interesting because I'd been talking to Brian Gewertz. Right. And he called me earlier in the day and said, I've got to tell you something you're going to love. Because what I found out afterwards that Bruce Campbell was originally going to be on the show. Because that show was a funeral for Vince, who had just been blown up. That's right. That's right. And they had yeah. Bruce yeah. Campbell, who's you know, from Evil Dead and you know, the actor. And he's, I'm a big fan. He's got something I've got to tell you. He left a message. Yeah. So I went to the gym. I worked out with my son, Ash. Yeah. Got back in the car. Called him back. And he's like, total change. I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? What do you got to tell me? And he's like... You're not going to want to hear this. And I, th- I was thinking like... You just told me to call you back, right? Yeah, he goes, he goes this is horrible. And I was right. thinking... Because he said earlier, i got to tell you something about Vince. Right. And when, he, when I talked to him, I thought he was going to say that Vince is going to go on the air and like, bury me or something. Like, this is horrible. Like, I didn't know what he was talking about. And then he said the same thing. He's gone. Who's gone? Chris. And I'm like... Where'd he go? Chris who? Like, yeah. which Chris are you talking about? Right, right. Benoit and, and, then, and Nancy and Daniel. Same thing with me, huge whale. I remember my son, I'll never forget it. He goes, Daddy, you cry funny because I had to pull over on the side of the road. Yeah. And I was, yeah. just, it was like you said, you just like all three of them? Right. And then, like, what, do they have carbon monoxide poisoning? Do they have food poisoning? At the point in time, nobody knew anything. What were the boys saying? Were the speculation? What was it? There was nothing. We didn't know. We were like, what do you mean he's gone? Like, what happened? We don't know. He's gone. We didn't know. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. And, and then when you actually did find out what had happened, 
it was still to this day we still don't know what happened still, and there's really no happened. still don't know what happened and then and then what you actually found out what really happened that you know the, the details behind it with with you know Nancy being you know killed him killing him and killing his son and then hanging himself were like that that's not the guy we knew that's just not the guy we knew yeah and then there's so many you know like we said we never know for sure I still think that it's the concussion thing sure the, 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 the hardening of sure. the brain absolutely. You know, I'm actually going to have Chris Nowinski on to talk to him about it. He's great. He actually studied Benoit's brain. He helped me when I had my big concussion because the you know doctors didn't know anything. Yeah. They were just like, eh, there was no protocol. It was not like when I tore my bicep, they were like, hey, you can't, you're in a sling for four months. And this, right. No, it was like, well, you. I go, when can I go back to work? Well, when you feel better. Well, Chris calls me and, and Nowinski calls me and, and really, really, you know, I, I, I think, like you said, I think it's, it was the, maybe one of the first times this had ever happened. And now, with all the research that's been done, if, right. if there were symptoms or signs, you would know about it. But back in 2007, I think Chris's case might have been the very first. Hey, we'll never know for sure, but it gives me some kind of closure right. that I can at least believe that my friend just didn't go completely insane for no reason. Sure. At least that gives me a reason. I know. And I, it, I, and, and, I feel your pain. And it could have just been easily one of us with all the amount of pain we've done and all the damage we've had, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's it's cool to be able to reconnect, but but this years going by without talking and stuff has got to stop. I agree. Charles, I love you, man. I love you too, man. Oh, my God. JJ, weigh in. Yeah, I mean, wow, that was something. I mean, I remember, you know, years ago there was that that release of the text message. Let me see if this is Dominic Valente. Dominic, are you with us? Yes, King, I'm here. Well, welcome back. Did you Thank hear you. that? Thank clip? you. How you doing? Okay. Say hello What's to up, Black JJ? Hey. hey, Dominic, man. Glad to have you on tonight, man. Yeah, brother Dominic, what's up, brother? Hey, Blackjack. How you doing, man? So far, so good. Good. <coughs> oh. Okay, as you heard, we heard that Chavo Guerrero give gruesome details of the night. Uh, actually, it's now six years <coughs> on the 25th to the date. But, J.J., what did you get out of that? Well, as I was saying, you know, there was a, a press release of, you know, these mysterious text messages that uh, coworkers received. And now, you know, having listened to uh, that uh, podcast between Jericho and Chavo, I guess we now know officially that, you know, it was Chavo that was, you know, that co-worker who received uh, those texts from Benoit about, you know, of what was going on that weekend and him sort of exchanging, you know, calling him and talking of, you know, oh, you know, I missed the flight or, uh, you know, Nancy uh, and my boy aren't doing so well. I think they have food poisoning or something. And, uh, you know, you know, Chavo and everyone was very skeptical. Other people got uh, text messages as well. As, uh, as Chavo says, Gar Armstrong, because they were, you know, very tight traveling buddies. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a very strange thing. And then he mentioned that one text early in the morning about the dogs. You know, you know oh, you know, the dogs are in the, in the area. You know, the garage doors open. And that was basically the last they heard of them. And, you know, he got very panicky. He told, uh, you know, Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace then immediately, I think, called the police in that area. And, you know, once they discovered, the, you know, the bodies, I mean, everybody was shocked. I still remember, I think this was uh, June, probably 2007. I do remember that. June 2007, June 25th, 2007. Yeah, June and uh, 
2007. I remember the pay-per-view. I remember Benoit had a match for the ECW title against Punk. And, uh, you know, it was a very, you know, big match. And then to find out he wasn't going to be there, I still remember the fans chanting, we want Benoit. Anyone that watched that pay-per-view live, the fans were chanting, you know, we want Benoit. And then, you know, the next night on Raw, of course, you know, having just learned the news of the, the death of Benoit and Nancy and Daniel, of course, you know, Vince did a, you know, a beautiful tribute show doing, you know, what he usually does with his talent. When Eddie died, when Owen died, they did these beautiful tributes. They did one for Benoit. Of course, not knowing, you know, what had just happened. It was, you know, literally developing as the time they were doing the show. I mean, they didn't really know much what that was going on. And then, of course, you know, once, you know, the police reports came in and, of course, they examined the bodies and when, you know, the wife and the son uh, died and uh, eventually it was revealed in the reports, you know, based on the evidence that they have that, you know, Benoit murdered, you know, his family. And, you know, I remember that same week, I think they aired a, a replay of the match that uh, Punk had with John Morrison. John Morrison replaced Benoit, and they had to edit the whole match. They actually re-aired the match, and they took out the Benoit chant. I think Taz was the announcer. I don't know if it was Taz and Joey Styles or Taz and, you know, somebody. And they had to edit the, the announcers anytime they mentioned Benoit, and it was like a completely different show. It was, you know, a very strange, and ever since then, the WWE hasn't looked back and mentioned Benoit. They don't acknowledge him. And uh, it was just something that just completely shocked, you know, the wrestling world. And as Jericho mentioned, he's at least assuming it had to do with his concussions. They talked about Chris Nowinski, you know, who was a wrestler, but, you know, he was a Harvard graduate, and he got hurt. And then he basically, uh, you know, he, you know, took his whole time, and he, he uh, established himself into studying concussions and the effect they have on on athletes, you know, football, wrestling, whatever sport, you know, you name it, boxing, and uh, he's done some really amazing um, materials and reports and just got some great results. And I actually didn't even know that he actually, you know, studied Benoit's brain. That was, that wow, that was uh, pretty surprising to me to hear. But uh, it's just the whole thing, even to this day, con considering how many years ago it was, it's just such a shock. And just uh, it's something that fans will never know. No one will really know exactly what happened. We can only speculate based on the evidence that's been given and released publicly. Dominic, what happened? Tell us what you were doing that day when you heard the news. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Chris Benoit would do such a thing. You know, and it was supposedly over the course of a weekend where he did his wife, his son, and himself. And I said, nah, that can't be right. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just a rumor. But then when I found out right. it was true, I says, it is true. He did, it did happen. He killed them. I was, I was amazed. I, I really was. I, I it still, <coughs> it still boggles my mind of, how he did it and taking three separate days to do it and do things in between and then go back to that and then take right. and then take himself out. Right, and if you heard the clip, Guerrero was with Benoit 
probably after he murdered somebody, according well, uh, to yeah, uh, I heard the end of that. You're right. That's right. Because then he went back and yeah, yeah, he was probably with him, and somebody was already dead. Yeah. Crazy. Unbelievable. Blackjack uh, way King, I still don't believe it. There's just uh, a wild, a wide range of, of things that that could have went on. Might have been uh, Nancy, might have been Chris, or no one really knows. And you, you know, you can say that the brain thing, as far as concussions, that's all good and well, but. Uh, the jury is still out with me on that. I, I don't think he did it. I absolutely do think he did it, but I do like Chris Jericho and uh, Guerrero. Don't think he was in any way in his right mind. You know, Junior Seau from the Miami Dolphins and the uh, another team that involved the Chargers committed suicide about a year ago, and there's been this. Uh, concussion thing that really makes the person become somebody else, and it's really eerie. And uh, well, that I can uh, believe. I, that I definitely can believe. Uh, turning into a completely different person, as I said. I mean, I knew Chris Benoit and the the killed his son and wife. He just wasn't about killing people. As far as I know, anybody that I know, I don't know any of my friends that would do anything like that to themselves or to their families. Well, there's a lot of people that we don't expect that would do these certain things, like uh, somebody being convicted of something, and we're always shocked. We'll always say, that's the last person. No, no, it can't be him. Just take a second. Just take a second, man. That's all it does. But if they would have found out, which Benoit obviously has a plan, and I'm, I'm assuming Chavo is right, uh, he would have he would have been sitting in jail right now. If somehow he would have got stopped, and they would have found out that uh, they were sitting in the house dead. So uh, he's lucky that he's not sitting in jail, Mr. Benoit. And uh, I feel bad that whatever got into him got into him. Um, people should celebrate the wrestler Chris Benoit because, to me, the wrestler Chris Benoit was probably one of the top five wrestlers. And uh, it's a shame that he didn't stay on. You know, uh, fans loved him. I loved his opening uh, entrance theme. Uh, when he put his hand by his neck, and I loved his music. I loved when he first won the title at WrestleMania 20, and he hugged Guerrero, and, uh, you know, he gave us beautiful moments that we'll never forget. But uh, this uh, isolated incident cannot be forgotten, unfortunately, and it puts him in the dark side, uh, like wrestling with shadows. No unintended but uh in any event uh let's move on uh i was telling that blackjack heard it already now uh bully ray was a guest on uh 
on the Chris Jericho podcast, which is a wonderful podcast, podcast1.com. And uh, first, I want you guys to hear Bully Ray on why he didn't wrestle Hulk Hogan. Let's listen and debate on the other side. But when you were split up, you weren't told, okay, we're going to groom you to be the world champion. You took advantage no. of the, you took the ball and ran with it. Old school. You, you, you take it. You know, I, you know, in wrestling, we have this thing called the push where, you know, creative is going to, you know, you know put the ball in your hand and, you know, run with mm-hmm. you. I, mm-hmm. I, I took the ball myself. You did. I, I've, I've, that's what we've always done, though. You, you go out there and you force them to run with you. You give them no choice. Mm-hmm. You make the people boo louder or cheer louder than anybody else to the point where they have to go they have to just uh you know yeah. give you give you the ball, give you the belt and, and let you be the A guy on the show. Even to the point where you're in the ring doing promos with Hogan and I thought maybe you guys would even have a match, but I don't know if Hulk was was able to or or could do it physically, but I mean that's pretty cool. I mean I mean Hulk is Hulk, but still the fact that you're in the ring kind of carrying the, the, the show as the the most hated guy, you're dating his daughter, you're banging his daughter, you're getting in under his skin. I mean, that's that's big time, man. It was it was awesome, and it it was the main storyline along with the aces and H. You know, those two stories kind of you know ran together. And to be in the ring with him and work with him was cool because listen, at the end of the day, he's Hulk Hogan. He's the Babe Ruth of our industry, right. and being in the ring with him is cool. You know, um, I'll never forget walking out of the Nassau Coliseum right around the block from where you were born. Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> WrestleMania three. I went to go see Hogan and Andre on closed circuit TV at the Nassau Coliseum, and I remember walking to the parking lot and telling my dad and my uncle, you know, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to be in the ring with Hulk Hogan one day. I'm going to be at WrestleMania one day. And my uncle looked at me and he said, Mark. Why don't you just shut your mouth and get in the car? <laughs> so, uh, so to have the opportunity to work, work with Hulk and, you know, the end result was we were supposed to have a match. And me and Hulk had talked about this match on several different um, occasions. And he felt totally comfortable with me because I knew I could custom tailor the match to exactly what he needed. Mm-hmm. And... It just didn't happen. I guess it didn't happen for his physical reasons and also business reasons within mm-hmm, TNA. Mm-hmm. So, but it would have been great to be able to have one match with him. Oh, absolutely. And to be in the ring with him and to be able to go back and forth on the microphone. And, you know, there are not many guys, and I'm not trying to be an egomaniac when I say this, there are not many guys on the microphone who, when I'm talking with or to, that raise my game. Yes. He made me raise my game, you know? So that's important to me. Well, I, I worked with him in 2002 when he first came back to the WWE, and it was a blast because, first of all, for the, I guess, Mark reasons or fanboy reasons, oh my gosh, it's Hulk Hogan. But beyond that, when he got the trust, I'm sure he had it with you, you know, this guy knows what he's doing, then suddenly I'm calling the match, then I'm telling him what to do. And he is a great, great worker in that he knows the crowd. He's, he's the ultimate babyface. He was so easy to work with. And you guys, you guys could have had a match easily, easy, yeah. easy. Even if he, all he could do is stand there and punch you, that's all you need because you know what you're doing. And you, you just brought up something that is so true. Once he gains that trust with you, mm-hmm. he's very comfortable in putting the ball in your court because he knows you're going to help to even elevate him more. That's right. Get him over more. And, and, and it worked. Every time me and Hulk were out there, whether it was me and Hulk, me and Brooke, or even, we even threw Sting in there, 
Whenever we were out there, it was the highest rated quarter hours or the minute by minutes on TNA over the past, you know, whatever. And, you know, I know TNA's ratings are not, you know, the same as, you know, WWE's or Through the Roof, but they're, they're pretty good for what they are, and we were the highest rated stuff. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Bully Ray's comments. JJ, what's your thought? Yeah, I mean, I remember that uh, very vividly. In fact, I remember when he was, you know, with Devon, they were part of Team 3D, and then, of course, he reinvented himself, and he created that Bully Ray character, and that's when he really took off because he put a lot of time and effort into sort of rebranding himself and establishing himself as a singles competitor because, of course, as long as he was, you know, Brother Ray or Bubba Ray, people would always associate him with Devon. But reinventing himself, creating a new name, Bully Ray, and he really changed his look. He lost a tremendous amount of weight, and he created these sort of catchphrases like his Twitter machine. He was calling himself Capzilla. He was always pointing to his calves. I'm like, why the hell is he doing this? It's so stupid. But he was a heel. He was supposed to, you know, get heat from the fans. Fans would be booing. Why you got the cameraman pointing at my calf, you know, or pointing at his calf? And he would get such a great reaction from the fans. And he really did take the ball. And he wasn't supposed to be, you know, the TNA world champion. I remember him opening up pay-per-views and losing, losing the guys like Austin Aries, who at the time was being sort of groomed to be their next sort of world champion. And Bully Ray was just a sort of a throwaway act. But yet fans took to him. And then TNA had to take notice. He was really rising in the ranks. Of course, then they really, to give him the ultimate push, he's working with Hulk Hogan. And they had that storyline where he was dating Brooke. And, you know, he wasn't, he sort of made that transition into a baby face. He was a good guy, and you were cheering him. And he was trying to get Hulk Hogan's acceptance and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, I really thought it was going to lead up to some sort of bound for glory match or some type of match. But, of course, you know, Hogan, and again, he failed the WWE well, uh, physical. That's why he didn't wrestle at WrestleMania 30. So, obviously, Hogan not physically able to go. So I'm not surprised that they couldn't get that match going even in TNA. But uh, I don't know. If there were other reasons involved, I don't know. But, uh, you know, Bully Ray has been such a character in TNA. Of course, then the Aces and Eights, and he became the ultimate heel again. He's just done such a, a great job over there in TNA. And he's probably one of the best parts of the show. When I'm watching TNA, you know, I always look forward to a certain, you know, wrestlers. And Bully Ray's definitely at the top of that list because I know whenever he speaks, I know whenever he wrestles, it's going to be very physical, very hard-handling, and he's going to kick some ass. So, you know, Bully Ray, always uh, a lot of fun to watch. Dominic, weigh in. Well, I was always a fan of Team 3D, the Dudleys, but like J.J. said, Bully Ray reinvented himself as a singles wrestler. A badass heel a fantastic fan favorite. Yeah. And the whole angle with him marrying Brooke Hogan, it was all me. It was all set up by me. The Aces and Eights, Taz being part of it. That whole thing, from what I heard, that was that was all Bully Ray's idea, and they liked it, and they said, run with it. You know, it's your idea. You can do your own storyline. And it was a big success. He went from being the most hated singles guy in TNA to the most popular guy in TNA. Mm-hmm. Now he's helping yeah. out EY. He's helping out Samoa Joe. He's all with the good guys, 
and they're fighting the authority. Well, yeah. TNA's version of it. And it's great. It's a great storyline, and Bully Ray is tremendous. He's one of the best guys they got. They better not lose him. Absolutely. Blackjack, weigh in. It was so convincing that they even had a strip party, bachelor party, at a strip club called uh, Rick's in Manhattan on 33rd and 6th Avenue. Yeah, That's we're not how giving a fuck. It was. <laughs> and they yes. printed it in in the real gossip media. This guy Perez Hilton thought that uh, Brooke was marrying Bubba. That's how believable it was. Yeah. Wow. That's right. So people believe it over over there in the Manhattan. Black One of the best angles. Of all time in that TNA. I couldn't have done a better job myself. Yeah, that's uh, Blackjack's right on the money about that. Uh, Perez Hilton did report it. He was on uh, all the tabloids online. A lot of uh, news Are outlets were serious? talking about marriage like it was real. And it got through on these, as you guys were talking about this Twitter stuff, Twitter yeah. plots or whatever you, you call it, exploded with all, with all that um hype on that because he was convinced and he was putting it out as real news and yeah. he couldn't believe it once he uh, fell into that that's how good it was that angle totally Bully Ray is uh, with that New York accent and we're going to see some more uh, stuff to come in June Anybody that's going to uh, that that place is going to be sold out in Manhattan Center or TNA. Oh yeah, and they're coming back for additional dates. And again, I'm not plugging TNA. This is just for the wrestling fans. They will be back in late August. Tickets are now on sale at the box office. These are just house shows, however. The ones in June are TV television tapings. So. Uh, Yes, Blackjack, you were right We're on the money. About and the New York area, you never know who will show up for that New York date. There's going to be some surprise. Well, I spoke to Axe Cotton, and I wouldn't be surprised, maybe, just maybe, if you see him there, at least backstage. You're going to see a Holy lot of Ray, people uh, uh, was so good, let's hear uh, him transitioning into the singles wrestler with Chris Jericho. Are you still? Are you still? <laughs> are you still TNA champion? No, no. Okay, but no. you did. You were. I I, uh, I was twice. Okay, twice. but it was it was a uh, it was a nice little. Run. Well, I got to tell you, man. I mean, it, and I've said this to you a bunch of times, but it's been a while since we talked face to face. I mean, I was really impressed about your whole transformation from being in one of the most famous tag teams. I'm sure you would say the most fa- famous tag team of all time to becoming a, a, a very a distinguished singles wrestler and becoming the TNA world champion and completely changing your image. You know, you, 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 you've got, like, bigger and you've lost weight and you came up with a whole new concept and a whole new attitude. and It really worked. I mean, how, how was that for you, you know, just jumping right in, changing from something you had done for so long to something new? Well, I'll try to take you back to, like, my initial thought process and every, how everything went down. After me and Devon had basically done everything that you could possibly do in tag team wrestling and winning every title and wrestling everywhere in the world, and we kind of sat back and, you know, realized there was nothing left to do. 
Right. So it was it was time to to put it to bed and you know go off and try to do it on our own. It was time to take off the makeup, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that one day down the road we'd eventually put the makeup you know on one last time. So it was time to take off the makeup, see what we can do on our own. And I knew from you know watching tag teams of the past that to come out of a successful and established tag team where you're so synonymous with one another, you know, like the Road Warriors. It's kind of hard to, you know, become successful on your own. People know you for that established act, that established entity. So the first thing I knew I had to do is I said, I'm going to change the way I look. I said, because that will shock the people more than anything else. I was never going to be on the cover of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Muscle and Fitness Although I did tell you about 10 years ago that I got into a bad car accident and I posing for the Olympia. Do you even remember that? I, 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 was, oh, yeah. I told you I had a pituitary problem and I almost made the Olympia. Yeah. Anyway. And you got in the car accident. I got into a bad car accident. I was bugging you about being hefty or whatever it was. You can never say that Bubba was fat. That's not a good word. Yeah, he, was, no. he was, he was no. big boned. Exactly. Yeah. Dreamer's fat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, I knew um, to shock the people and to get them to notice me really quick if I did a body transfer. So I just did it the old school way. I hit the gym hard. I dieted real hard. I lost about 100 pounds. I've gotten into the best shape that I ever got into. And then I said, once I can do this and slowly, you know, change my body over, I'm just going to go back to the persona that I know works. And I didn't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. I took bad guy 101. <laughs> All I did was take Bubba Ray Dudley from ECW and bring him to TNA and change his name to Bully Ray. <laughs> and that's it. It's what you see is what you get. I'm not, I'm not trying to do, you know, I talk a certain way. My voice sounds a certain way. I have a hard edge. You know, what you see in the ring and in real life, as mo most people, as you know, is really the same damn thing. <laughs> so it wasn't hard to be a character because I'm not a character. Mm -hmm. I'm just me. And as you well know, whenever you're just you in a ring, it works. Well, yeah, you, the, the best characters are your real personalities just turned up to, to 11, you know. But, I mean, the thing that was smart that you did, and it's something that I always did, and it's a subtle thing. A lot of guys don't do this. Whenever I turned from heel to babyface, I would change something. Uh, look, hair, costume, get up. A lot of guys don't do that, and people subtly don't understand that there's been a change. You did it all the way. Boom, you kind of got the black vest, and you, like you said, you got into the best shape of your life. You took it seriously, and when, when you do that, the fans understand that this is new. No doubt. And, uh, you know, you're probably, I mean, you come and go a lot. You probably come and go more than most guys do in the past five years of wrestling, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. And every time you, you leave, you do it in a way where, okay, you leave on, a, 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 quote-unquote, good terms, and then when you come back, it's like, Holy crap. You even, you're even like the master of, you know, making people think you're coming back, not coming back. They, get, they talk about you, the subliminal, you know, vignettes that they shoot on you. Yeah. And then you show up with the, you know, the jacket that's a million colors, and then you don't say a word out there. All of that stuff is so new and innovative, and you do it so many times. And I've only had to do it once or twice now, but this past time really worked. And it worked to a point where... I'm proud to say that I think I got myself to be the most hated guy in the business over the past three years. And when I say most hated, I mean legitimate, what we call in the business, heat. Mm -hmm. Not canned, okay, you're the bad guy, I have mm -hmm. to boo for you, heat. Legitimate heat. Wow.
Bully Ray is amazing to listen to. JJ and uh, very uh, good in his singles career. What's your take on what he just said? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, as I was even saying just before, I mean, when you think of Bubba Ray Dudley or Brother Ray or whatever they were calling him in TNA at first, you anonymously just automatically think of, you know, the Dudley boys and his tag team partners mm. teams. And, you know, the problem with that is, you know, they've done everything they could do. They were WWE uh, tag team champions when they had the roster split. They were the Raw Tag Team Champions. Then they went to SmackDown. They're the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And before that, they were WCW Champions during the Invasion Angle. Before that, in ECW, they were Tag Team Champions. They toured around. When they left the WWE, they won Tag Team Titles in independent promotions. Eventually, they came to TNA. They won the NWA Tag Titles. And then when NWA and TNA split, they won the TNA Tag Titles. So what do you do now, there's nothing left to accomplish other than being the tag team champions for the hundredth time. I mean, even though fans maybe wouldn't complain, they still love to see them work together, but, you know, to keep things fresh and, you know, to keep things new and for just reasons for himself so that he can do something new and to just, you know, not just do the same old, same old. You know, he challenged himself, and he created this Bully Ray character. As I said, he lost a tremendous amount of weight. You know, I think Bully Ray, I don't know if you mentioned, he was, what, at least 400 pounds when he was in ECW. And now you look at him in TNA, and he's, he lost easily over 100 pounds. He's, you know, a very solid, thick frame, you know, muscular. He's still big, but he's, he's built like a tank now, you know. And uh, he's just been really on fire reinventing his character. He's a world champion, a two-time TNA world champion. He mentioned guys who... You know, have been able to adapt, like a Chris Jericho, who came into WWE with his long hair and his tights, and then eventually he got rid of the long tights and wore the trunks, and then he got rid of, you know, the trunks and he got the light-up jacket. You know, he came back to the WWE as a fan favorite and a heel and a fan favorite, but yet he's always created new personas to be interesting and fresh and new. And then you look at a lot of guys today, maybe like a Del Rio or a Sheamus or a Kane, and they've done the same thing over and over again, and you're getting kind of tired of the characters because there's nothing new to do. We've seen Kane with the mask. We've seen Kane without the mask. We've seen Del Rio be the bad guy. We've seen Del Rio as a good guy, and nothing's different. He's still wearing the scarf. He's still doing the same stuff. He's saying the same things. You know, Sheamus. Sheamus is still that pale Irishman with the red hair. There's nothing new there, and yet he's a face, he's a heel. I mean, I don't know what they're doing with him anymore. You know, it's very rare for guys to really alter their character. It just doesn't take, it doesn't take a whole lot. Look at a guy like Daniel Bryan. He came into the WWE clean cut, small hair, you know, clean shaven, and then he sort of progressed and he grew, he grew that beard, and now he's got that long hair. And he's, he's just small little things that make such a big difference. Uh, you know, other people like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was the red and yellow for a decade. He goes to WCW and he flipped the book on you and he embraced the all black. He had that beard and the NWO and he gave himself a new look, a new attitude. It was fresh. It was something new. It was exciting. You know, like The Rock. The Rock came in, Rocky Maivia, and he was all happy-go-lucky, goofy haircut. He had some, you know, goofy name, Rocky Maivia, in honor of his father and grandfather. And then he got rid of it, and he, he, you know, he created a new attitude. He was dressing like a million dollars every week. 
He had all these catchphrases. So these transitions are stuff that we don't see enough of today. So uh, really, uh, Bully Ray just sticking to what works, but doing it in a way that it's new and it's exciting and lots of fun. Absolutely. Dominic, weigh in. Yeah, i got to agree with that. A lot of guys changed from heel to face and back and forth. They did it a million times with Lex Luger, but they don't do anything different. It's just their opponents are different, but the way they look and the way they carry themselves and the way they act is exactly the same way, only they're facing different people. Bully Ray totally reinvented himself, and other taking belts he won with, 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 with Devon, New Japan and All Japan as well. And wow. At, yeah, as, as Bully, you would never think it was the same guy that wore the tie-dye back in the old ECW days. To me, as a heel, he's the best heel in the business. Yeah. And as a face right now, I think he's the best face in the business. He's better than Cena, without a doubt. You know, you're right. you yep. got a very good point there. I'd and, like to uh, see this book As a heel, I first, think he's better yeah. than Orton. Better than Batista. He's even better than oh, Triple yeah. H. Oh, yeah. You know, he could come back to the WWE one day and be champion. I wouldn't mind that. I think Black so. Jack, wait. Yeah. Uh, wait definitely, Black uh, as I told you months before, sometime in the, between June and July, or even August at this point, Bubba, Bully Ray will be the champion once again. How can he not? Yep. And I and I see somewhere down the road, Devon, uh, the way they got the whole situation uh, situated now, I could possibly see uh, Devon back in that TNA. Then again, you can also see him back in the WWE, but I think they uh, WWE. WE would probably want to keep them as tag teams. They wouldn't recognize them. They got a, another whole new clique in that whole organization. So I think that uh, both Dudleys will be probably better off in, in TNA. And um, as I said, there's going to be a lot of partying going down. Between June and August, Bubba will be the next champion in that organization. How can he not be? I remember in WWE when they did the roster split, and 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 Bubba was on his own. He was doing all right, and they yes. made Reverend Devon and oh, and Dave Batista. Oh no! Remember that? Yeah. Like I didn't think Batista was ever going to come back from that. That was horrible. Oh, painful. Hard and to I think watch. there was an incident that brought the Dudleys back together again when there was an incident on one of the shows. Both of the Dudleys came back out. For whatever reason, they came out together, and that's how they had the reunion of the Dudleys, and they made them a team over again. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I'll go on record. Right now in 2014, I'm not saying of all time, out of everything that's on in wrestling, Holy Ray is my favorite to watch. Because he has that swagger, he's the heel, he can be a face. He can play for my team any day of the week. Bully Ray is awesome. But uh, Bully Ray did uh, did also have uh, one last clip that I'm going to let you hear. 
how he handled uh, Nutty Finn. Let's take a listen to be on the other Obviously, side. Obviously, Paul, which to me, just, you know, the Dr. Frankenstein, the mm-hmm. David Koresh, the evil genius of pro wrestling, yes. uh, who I can't even put into words. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you even bothered watching, you know, the, the night in Chicago uh, with Punk, when Punk was supposed to show back up. Yes. Okay. It was genius, man. There is nobody. You know what? I bet you you could do it. I bet you I could do it. I bet you we could. There's a select few that can diffuse 15,000 rabid wrestling fans. Rabid Chicago CM Punk fans. Correct. That were, there was even a, a Twitter uh, uh, address going around called Hijack yep. WWE or Hijack Chicago, whatever it was. People were going out there to spoil the show. Yep. They were going to chant CM Punk the whole time until he got there. They sent out Paul, Paul Heyman as the first guy out there. They play Punk's music and have Paul come out. And by the time he was done, they, were, they wanted to see Brock versus Undertaker. It was, it, it, it's, it's genius. It's masterful. It is the ultimate in manipulation of a wrestling fan's <laughs> mind. Yeah. They think they're so smart, but when you truly have somebody who knows what they're doing, we can take you on any emotional ride yes. we want to That's take right. you on. It's the way we word things. It's the inflection in our voice. You think what we want you to think. You will never control us in the ring. It's the ultimate master of puppets, and that's what the best guys do. I remember Brett said, you know, uh, the crowd doesn't tell me what to do. I tell the crowd what to do. If people are chanting boring, it's like, well, guess what? It's going to get a lot more boring because I'm in control. And that's what you can see with guys with that old school... Uh, not even just old school, just the right education in the business and the right instincts. Sure. You know, and the experience, sure. you know, which a lot of guys don't have. Now. And you can see a lot of guys today, whether it's WWE or TNA, if the crowd gets you know, a little too edgy, you, mm-hmm. can just, you can watch on their face how the people will get to them. That's right. You know? You're the performer. You're, they're paying to see you. There's no way in hell that they should ever get under your skin. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, like, it, it, like you mentioned, learning from Vince and having Vince teach you things, and that's the, the number one rule I learned from him is that you know you control the ebb and flow. When you're a heel, you never make a mistake. If you flub up your promo, it's not a flub up. You're just so flustered at these people in the crowd, you can't even think straight anymore. That's true. Yeah. You know, and, and he always said to me, too, it's like, I'm not just trying to teach you wrestling lessons. I'm trying to teach you life lessons, damn it. And, you know, that guy really, you know, you talk about uh, kind of the cliche term is Vince McMahon is a genius. And he is a genius. Sure. To, to whereas, you know, you put Eddie Van Halen in Van Halen, and he quits. Okay, you can put Steve Vai in there, or Zach Wilde in there. They can play the notes, maybe, but it's not the same. It's not the genius of Van sure. Halen, who's once in a lifetime. And when Vince passes away, because that's the only way he's going to stop working in the WWE, it's going to be a hard transition, and it's going to be, you can't replace him. The company's going to be different. He, and I, he, he said this to somebody in an agent meeting, and I quote, you can do stupid effing ideas like that when you pry this company from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> well, J.J., I can listen to Bully Ray all day. He is just amazing. Give me your take on what he, on, uh, on what he just said. Well, yeah, I mean, what a great mind for the business. And, you know, him and Jericho are right. When you think of, you know, the evil scientist and the mad genius, you've got to be thinking about Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon being able. Earlier we were talking about trolling an audience. And really, that yeah. night, I'll never forget it, March 3rd in Chicago when, you know, Punk had left and the whole crowd wanted to spoil the show. They wanted to take over the show with CM Punk chants. 
and basically Paul Heyman kicked off the show, and he had the fans in the palm of their hands. Yeah, they did chant CM Punk throughout the night, but they did get what they wanted to accomplish, and they did get the fans to sort of buy into their product and what they were selling. And by the end of Heyman's segment, the fans were invested in Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. They weren't thinking about Punk for a, for a minute. They weren't thinking about Punk. They were thinking about what Paul Heyman delivered in that ring. And, you know, the, even Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, you guys know how to diffuse a uh, situation. And I see guys, you know, wrestling every week, and sometimes the fans, they, you know, it's all becoming of hijacking the show. They want to cheer and chant whatever they want. It doesn't even have anything to do with the talent that's in the ring. And sometimes you'll look at a talent's face while they're wrestling, and it gets to them. Maybe they laugh it off, or maybe they're kind of frustrated, like, you know, what the hell? I'm, you know, I'm working my ass off here, and, you know, you're chanting for whatever. So uh, it's, it's difficult because when you see it's getting to the talent, it just makes you want to do it even more to get to them, and they have to be professional and show that it doesn't get to them. And if anything, they should take over. And as, uh, you know, what Derek mentioned, I don't know if it said it was Brett or somebody, you know, if people are chanting the match is boring, we'll make it even more boring. Do something to get to the fans. You know, it's, you know, they're the superstars. You know, WWE likes to call them, they don't like to call them wrestlers anymore. They like to call them superstars. Well, at times like that, you got to act like a superstar, and you got to make the fans remember who they paid to see. So, uh, you know, some guys can, can handle it and can hang, and some guys can't. But uh, Bully Ray, definitely, uh, you know, I remember in ECW, he would get in people's faces, ringside. He didn't care. In ECW, you could do pretty much anything. You, know, you could say whatever you want, as long as the fans didn't physically touch you, you know, you could just do whatever you want. And Bully Ray would say some outlandish stuff, stuff you can't even say today. And I remember when he was just becoming Bully Ray in uh, TNA, he was trying to do some of that. I heard there were house shows where Bully went off on a fan and immediately was all over YouTube and the Internet. They had video of it. And then, of course... Bully Ray had to go on Twitter and he had to apologize that, you know, he got out of line and things got too heated because in this day and age, you can't say certain things at uh, events. But uh, in ECW, man, those were the days where anything goes. But uh, it's definitely a different world today. Absolutely well said. Dominic, weigh in. Yeah, you know, now is entirely different that you can say anything you want. Last week on Impact, Samoa Joe called somebody a scumbag. <laughs> and I loved it. Uh-huh. WWE won't let nobody even do that. No. WWE, okay. with, their, with, with their rating, won't let people get out of line. Yeah. TNA, I heard somebody call one guy a prick one time, and it, and it made it on TV. Scumbag oh. always makes it. The only one nobody ever said is cocksucker. And eventually they may be saying that too. But, yeah, that'll be coming. Not yeah. in WWE, though. No, never in WWE. But the thing that they said about Bret Hart, the fans don't control the match. The guys in the ring do. And you really got to look right. at it like that. But what I don't That's like right. is when the fans are chanting, boring, 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 it could be a match like Fit Finley against William Regal. Now, wow. to me, that's a classic performance. Yes. Fans don't want to see a match like that. To me, that's not boring. To see how a guy can get from one hole to the other and make the transition from 
a front chantry into a back body drop and then turn it into a leg lock. I love that. To me, that's not boring. When Bruno boring, used to use the arm drag on a guy, people back then never chanted boring. If Bruno was to do that today, I think a lot of people might chant boring, boring, because they don't want to see no rest holds. But No, they want to see Cena. Yeah, but by the same token, they also don't want to see Damian Sandow come out in a fucking ballet suit. <laughs> That's for sure. Last night was the worst ever. I mean, he's come out dressed as Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone or whoever the hell he was supposed to be. Came out as a basketball player. But last night, that flesh tone um, ballet outfit, it looked like this fucking guy was naked. I said, what are they doing, <laughs> naked Midian all over again? Oh, I God. said, there goes this guy's career, right down the toilet. From a guy that had a Money in the Bank briefcase to mm. this. Unbelievable. And they put him, of course, with Fandango, who looked like two rejects from Arthur Murray's School of Dance. And the Usos <laughs> were hysterical laughing, I think legitimately, during this match, because those two guys look like two clowns. That's not wrestling anymore. Sheamus put on a 10-star match last night against uh, Bad News Barrett. Amazing. Yeah. For a spot in the Money in the Bank. That match was unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Blackjack, weigh in. Um, He's about 260. Go ahead, Blackjack. Wow, that I mean, went I right agree over with, everybody's uh, Dominic, you know, uh, we'll just have to, uh, I mean, he said it. I mean, what happened to that guy with the rabbit? Oh, he did a dark match last night. Did it? Yeah, I, I yeah, was waiting for that. Stars. That would have been a highlight <laughs> of the night, I guess. <laughs> That's a total waste. We came out with all those freaking characters. That's not wrestling. That's nah, like it's DNA's a menagerie. Whole different, uh, oh, way of life as far as wrestling the way it is today. I mean, it still is pretty popular. It's still mm. the fans are following it. Uh, but eventually, I'm, I'm thinking that they might go back to, to uh, well, once the, the ratings start to dip or something, they might go back to the old school of, of uh, like, TNA, the way they're trying to, what they get away with, you know. Um, and like you said, that people are just so sensitive to, to a lot of stuff now, you, you can't get away with saying certain things, you know. Right. you got to watch that, what TNA is trying tries to push that envelope, you know. Yeah, yeah. No question about it. Okay, Shawn Michaels uh, was recently on the uh, network and uh, shared some thoughts about uh, John Cena. Let's take a listen. It was a building block. I, I personally believe the foundation had already been set at that point. Um, yeah, there's, I think, some sort of rite of passage um, with my match and John, but that's has more to do with, you know, I'm a guy that's been here in the eyes of the people forever. <laughs> so, um, uh, but it's still, again, as much as you want to, uh, you know, put yourself over some big deal, you're still a building block. We were, as a company, making a decision of making the guy the face, and everybody knew that. 
everybody that watched, everybody. And so sometimes when it happens, especially in our line of work, um, the people naturally uh, rebel against you, and, 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 and then they chant things like, you know, you can't wrestle, and John obviously can. Um, we've had guys in the past who couldn't, and they never chanted that. So that's just something uh, the folks do, and, and John's wise enough to not let that bother him. I've been fortunate in that whatever approach it is I take, and, I, and I've never really clearly been able to, to define that other than saying I'm, I'm just trying to have the best match possible. Um, I have somehow managed to accomplish the desired things for both myself and, and, and my opponent. And, and nine times out of ten, and you know, I'd like to say ten times out of ten, but I'm just... Uh, you know, better safe to hedge your bets than, than not. Um, nine times out of ten, everybody does come out of it better, and and that's what I think happened uh, in this match. I, I've always uh, not had a problem giving John a, a ton of credit. He's a smart kid. He's a hard worker. That's uh, is always going to be his greatest quality to me, is that he's an incredibly hard worker, and you know we have we have a lot in common in that. There are a lot of things both of us can't do. I've just done a, a much better job of covering it up over the last whatever it's been now, almost 30 years. I am. I'm one of those guys that, that, that thinks that Johnny gets a raw deal, obviously. Uh, he's earned everything he's gotten. Yeah, somebody has to, whatever, make the decision to pick you. But I've seen a lot of guys get picked over the years, myself included, and, and, and not... Everybody's done as well as John, so you ought to be able to get some credit for that. Will John Cena come back next year and wrestle Cena? Will Shawn Michaels come back and wrestle John Cena next year, uh, JJ? What do you think? No. Uh, actually, I'm glad you played that clip because I believe tonight on the WWE Network, they're going to be doing the WrestleMania Rewind featuring John Cena versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 23. So that will be on tonight on the WWE Network. So, uh, you know, if you want to check it out, you can. But uh, I think Michael said something that uh, a lot of people are quick to think about Cena. Of course, he has his naysayers. They have those people that are rebelling because he was, you know, branded as the face of the WWE. He's been the face of the WWE for the past 10 years and he's been the same guy for the last 10 years. And we just talked about Bully Ray and how you, you know, sort of reinvent yourself. A guy like Triple H has also been in the WWE for over, you know, 15 years now. He was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He was a degenerate. He was an evolution. He was a sharp-dressed man there with his Rolex and everything. He cut his hair off. Now he's the authority. He's found ways to sort of change his look and to change his character, and we haven't seen that from John yet. So a lot of people are sick and tired of John Cena. One of the things they talk about are his five moves of doom, the fact that he can't wrestle. And I, when I think about John Cena, I can't help but compare to Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan was the face of the WWE in the 80s. And, you know, a lot of people will say that, you know, Hogan only knows a few moves. He's not the wrestler he used to be. But at the same time, I always hear veterans who have been in the game for a long period of time tell a lot of the young kids that, you know, you shouldn't be doing this or you should really cut back on this. 
because of longevity. You want longevity. You want to last a long time. I can't help but think a guy like Cena is listening to these veterans because he's not doing a whole lot. He really did cut his moves down, and he's lasted this long because of it. So I think in, in that regard, he doesn't need to do a whole lot. And maybe once in a blue moon, maybe at a WrestleMania or a big pay-per-view event, we'll see something new. We'll see maybe him do a suicide dive to the outside of the ring. Or maybe he'll do a drop kick, which he rarely does. Or maybe, you know, he'll try a new move, like I think he did this one sort of torture rack neck breaker or something. I'm thinking, well, I've never seen Cena. I've been watching Cena for the last, you know, 12, 13 years. I've never seen him do that move before. So I think there's times where maybe he might surprise you, but for the most part, he stays in his comfort zone. And that's all he has to do. And until the WWE grooms their next face, you know, Cena will continue to be the guy he is today. And unfortunately, people don't like that. But, uh, you know, he's been fortunate. Uh, as Michael said, he's a hardworking guy. He has been injured a few times. But because he has such a great work ethic, you know, he comes back in nearly half the time. Most of the guys get injuries with their neck or torn muscles. They're gone a year. And yet Cena's been back in nearly six months, three months. I remember when he was supposed to uh, face, I think, CM Punk for the title, and he had to, instead Ryback took his spot. He came back, you know, even sooner. You know, he shocked a lot of people. Now you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan who's hurt, and people were expecting him to be back at Money in the Bank, and he's not going to be, and that his progress in rehabilitation isn't going as smooth as he would like it to be, and he won't be ready in time. You know, John Cena is always that company guy. He works hard. He's ready in time. And I said this earlier in the show about The Miz. I can't hate a guy like John Cena who ever since he was a little kid was watching wrestling, was watching Hulk Hogan, was watching The Rock, and now he's doing right. He had, you know, He had a little toy belt that he made out of paper. I remember when I was little, me and my cousins, you know, they created their own, like, cardboard championship. And, you know, we used to, you know, pass the title around. We used to have matches in their basement. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. And yet Cena was the same kid. He had the same dreams we all did. The difference is Cena yeah. is living his dream. He is the biggest wrestling star in the WWE or possibly the world when you look at all the mainstream things he does, the charity work and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, I can't say anything bad about the guy. I know a lot of people are sick and tired of this hustle, loyalty, respect character. And in that regard, I can agree. I think we've seen enough of this character, and it's time to develop something new, something fresh, and it's time to pass that torch to a new young star so that someone else can be the face of the WWE. Because now you look at Daniel Bryan, who's out with an injury, CM Punk, who quit and walked away. Who's the next guy in line? What happens if Cena gets hurt or he breaks his neck and then he's done with wrestling. Who's your next guy that you're grooming? As of right now, they don't have a next guy. You could put the title on Randy Orton. You could put the title on Roman Reigns. But their careers, you know, Randy Orton sort you know, he's done everything he can. Maybe a guy like Roman Reigns or Bray Wyatt, they're just ready to jumpstart their career. You could take a chance on them. But then something could happen to them. And then what do you do? You need a backup plan. And uh, until they really start focusing on the next great big talent, we're going to continue to get Super Cena shoved down our throats. You agree, Dominic? Well, some of the stuff J.J. said is, is, is exactly right on the money. The reason why a guy like John Cena can come back 
in less time than anybody is because he does less stuff in the ring. He does four or five moves. Hogan does four or five moves. Maybe that's why they idolize each other. Because if you're in there and you're really working your ass off like Daniel Bryan, where it's taken slower for him to come back, Daniel Bryan's a harder worker than than, uh, John Cena could ever dream to be. But John Cena is always going to be the face of the WWE because he does the Make-A-Wish thing. He goes on all the talk shows. He sells the most merchandise. He uh, He's always got a different T-shirt. Every month and a half or so, he's got to get a different T-shirt. I think a guy That's like right. Rey Mysterio Jr., much better than John Cena, but he gets hurt a lot because he takes more risks. John Cena don't take no risks. He stays within no. his few moves where, it, like J.J. said, the comfort zone. Hogan's comfort zone is three moves. Maybe Cena's got five moves. Okay. So you put the two of them together in a match, and that's where I start chanting boring. Randy Orton already, to me, has shot his load a million times. Bray Wyatt sucks. And I would go with Roman Reigns. But if, God forbid, he gets hurt, AJ's right again. Where do you go? What What about Cesaro, Dominic? Cesaro is an old-school throwback. He's another guy that can go places. He can go far. He can be a champion. He can carry that belt. Blackjack, so say you. What what can you say in this kind of situation? I agree with Dominic, and I agree with uh, JJ. (laughs) I mean, uh, like pick time, basically. But... uh, and Envy's old. I'm, I'm going with uh, Triple H. I think he's going to wind up with the title. Oh, no. That's what I'm thinking. No. Didn't he might as well get himself back in that area. Just uh, take the belt from uh, Brian. I mean, he, he, he's, he's done all that he can do as far as I'm concerned. The guy is hurt, you know? And yep. He, he's a... He's a, he's a more of a hardcore wrestler than most of the guys we you guys just mentioned right now. Yeah, he is. Well, the only thing I'll say about John Cena is that he works through injuries, and uh, we know he had a lot of injuries, and he always shows up. I mean, I seen him the other night uh, wrestling in a uh, match on Monday night, and he, and he busted up his arm. I don't know if you guys noticed. He got a cut on his arm. From a, he does, a good he does put no? the company on his back, but at the same time, as fans, we need a change. I think, and I think even the uh, young people would agree that the Titus Cena. I mean, I, I don't even think it's as strong as it once was. JJ, the uh, Cena Nation, down if you road, will. Down the road, it's going to be CM Punk. So look for him to be coming back. Well, well, until it happens, JJ, uh, you guys want to talk uh, about uh, bringing back Shawn Michaels, you got to bring back a guy that uh, will be ready to come back. He's going to be rested. He's already done his thing on the side. And uh, look for for a major uh, comeback. Look for CM Punk to come back and and shock uh, a lot of people. JJ, and you uh, think uh, the Cena act, 
is time to throw away. What do you think? Well, obviously, he's Make still making deal. money. From like Dominic said, he's one of the top sellers in merchandise. They're not going to just throw away that money. But at the same time, uh, we, the WWE is sort of acknowledged it. I mean, they did that one vote a few weeks ago on Raw where the fans could vote for John Cena, and you could vote to see him in a one-on-one match, which would benefit Cena, or you could see him in a handicap match, which was all three members of the Wyatt versus Cena, which, of course, would you know be for the Wyatt. And the fans completely turned on Cena. The C-Nation wasn't as strong as it has been for the last you know 10 to 12 years that he's been in the company. So I think that the, we're at a time where I do believe that the fans want something new. They're they're not they're still going to support Cena, especially the little kids. But I think the other audience, the men, even the women, even if they like to see him without his shirt and they scream like girls, eventually it's going to be like Owen Hart used to say, "It's time for a change." Enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. <laughs> And, uh, of course, Owen Hart we miss. And uh, another guy we miss is Eddie Guerrero. We are going to get into the TNA stuff as advertised. We are going to talk more a little more about Bryant and the pay-per-view. But let's hear uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper with Chavo on the death of Eddie Guerrero. I was, okay, I the, the day that, that he... Um that he passed. Now we, I had talked about this before, not, but never, never this, never said this story. So we're in Minneapolis, and he, um, which is a super show. We're all taking off, getting ready to um, go to Europe right after the super show. So super show is Raw and SmackDown were there, so everybody was there. You know, they have the whole things planned, and um, you know, I get the call at the hotel saying that you know something's wrong with your. I won't totally get into it because I. I talked about that in Jericho's podcast and th- this is this is um, we, if yeah, I'm going to give a story I'm, I'm going to sure. give a different story but, so so you know I, I had um, uh, the call and Kierkegaard calls me that your your uncle's passed out and I'm like what do you mean passed out you know I'm thinking that he had a relapse because you know back in, before he'd been keeping clean for four years you know yeah. he had some some uh, pill issues and alcohol issues <clears throat> so, so yeah absolutely so he um um you know, I went we went to his room and I'm like, Oh, and he's passed out in his room? What are we talking about? Well, you know, he ends up passing away right there in my arms. Oh yeah, right there, right there in my arms and what happened. And um so uh I remember Vince McMahon and Triple H and, and Sean, um Shawn Michaels coming to the hotel and now I'm sitting in the hallway like yeah. What the what the heck just happened? You don't really know. You're almost an out of body experience, and so they come up and they looked at me and they said, "You know, of course, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, what should we do?" And this Vince asked Miss Man asked me, "What should we do? Should we cancel the show?" And I said, "Absolutely not. Eddie go. would not want that show to be canceled. No, you keep it going." And he said, "Okay, well, how about we do a tribute?" You know, like Teddy, and I said, "Well, okay, that that's that's fine, that's great, but we're not canceling the show. There's people pay their money, their good hard-earned money, to see yeah. us tonight, and they're all looking forward to it. And and you're going to give them. Now I look back and I go, they gave them something that 
was much more than just a super show. They gave him this tribute to Eddie, the, one of the greats they did in, a this, great job in this too. business. Absolutely. And they gave these people this. And the people, I mean, you talking about being in that arena, not just seeing, hey, a wrestling event, great. They yeah. emotionally pulled their strings, Oof. you know. And I was I, there that I remember seeing you. That's what I was getting to. I remember seeing you in the back, and I think I just said, "Hey, what's up?" Because I was just in a, in yeah. a, I was in a zone. I was in a funk. I wasn't even there, and I remember seeing you so bummed out. I could see Oof. you down, like man, and and from my when when too. yeah when my when my yeah absolutely when my dad would lose friends and you would lose friends, and my dad would say, "God, another brother gone, another brother gone," and I saw that look on your face, that same look on your face that I'd seen my dad have, you know, when, when you know, his his bros, the guys that he traveled on the, ri- in, in the, on the road with and he fought together and you lived and died together. You were like in, yeah. not comparing it to war because there's nothing compared to that, but that's the closest thing that we can compare it to with no disrespect to any soldiers at all, but you're like in battle with these guys and, and, and you know, they're just like part of your family. And yeah. I saw that look on your face, and I saw you like, like there he is. You, you lost your son right there. Yeah. You lost your brother. He's my boy. Too. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that. I saw yeah. it. You can't write that look. You, you can't. He's a uh, yeah. he's special guy. Yeah, he's for sure. He's a special guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's looking down and going, <laughs> you know, you two want to get on with it? Yeah, no. <laughs> and he's like, all right, all right enough all about right. it. Hey, buddy. He's uh, like, Roddy, choke him out. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> Well, uh, it is good that they could laugh and find some uh, good moments of Eddie J.J., but another sad story, uh, the life and death of Eddie Guerrero. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I remember that uh, pretty vividly. I remember watching Eddie on SmackDown. You know, Eddie wrestled that Friday night. Uh, Of course, it was taped beforehand, but if you're watching at home, you watch SmackDown on Friday. You saw Eddie Guerrero take on... uh, Mr. Anderson or Mr. Kennedy in WWE. Wow. And, you know, they match, and uh, it was Eddie's last match. His last match was that uh, SmackDown show, and then, you know, he died over the weekend, and that they had that tribute show Monday night, and it was uh, another, much like the Owen Hart tribute show, such a, you know, uh, a beautiful tribute with all the guys giving their memories of Eddie, and Eddie just had so many... Uh, moments on television that we could remember are so funny. I mean, the guy was a tremendous athlete in that ring, just a tremendous wrestling, you know, star, worker, whatever you want to call it. Eddie was just always on, and he was probably his toughest critic because he could wrestle a five-star match, but if he missed the spot or if he did something that he didn't include, he was so pissed off. You know, he really earned that nickname Latino Heat because he would get pissed off you know, if, if he would feel like he let people down or he let himself down, and he always thought he could do better, and he always just uh, did his best in that ring, gave us so much great matches. And as I talked about before, being able to sort of, you know, reinvent yourself and do something new, and, you know, he was building Latino heat, and he would lie, cheat, and steal, or he would change his hair. You always did something different if you loved him, if you hated him, you loved him passionately, or you hated him passionately, but he was always so much fun to watch, and uh, he gave us so many great memories. You know, definitely uh, miss Eddie Guerrero. Dominic, your thoughts on Eddie Guerrero? Uh, Eddie Guerrero, one of my favorites of all time. I mean, he'd get the chair and bring it into the ring, bang the mat with it, and lay there. 
and keep looking up and peeking and seeing if the referee is watching. And the referee would almost turn around and he'd lay there, and his opponent would be blamed for bringing in the chair, get disqualified, and Eddie would win. All of a sudden, he'd get up really fast, and everybody's looking in dumb amazement like he was just unconscious from a chair shot. He's already standing up. Yeah, he banged the chair on the mat and laid there. That's lying and cheating and stealing. And coming out with the souped-up cars, that was Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes, Him and Charles. Wow. Those vignettes they did. Yep. were just amazing. And Blackjack, uh, you knew that man. What, what did you feel when you heard about the Definitely one of, one of the best guys uh, of all time. Uh, he was pretty, pretty good. Uh, good to hang out with and good jokes and just a good person all the way around, man. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember I went to the TNA show in uh, Orlando, and I was back there, and it was a debut of Christian, ironically, but they did they did something for Eddie. They were very respectful of Eddie, uh, TNA, that is, and that was really cool. And, uh, you know, not since Owen Hart did I feel that type of pain at that particular time because we didn't lose Savage yet. Um, but that did feel like uh, shades of uh, Owen Hart. What do you think, JJ? Yeah, it was definitely hard. I mean, I've said it before uh, on King Jordan Radio. You know, when Owen died, I was just uh, a kid. I think I was getting ready to graduate uh, in school. And, you know, it, it was like losing your uncle. You know, I, I, see, I see Owen every week on television. And, you know, much like Eddie, you know, a great worker in the ring. He'd make me laugh. You know, you hated him as a bad guy, but he was so funny. And you used to hear all about the antics he did, you know, traveling and stuff he would do just to make the show fun for the fans. And uh, he was just such a, a great person, too. And, uh, you know, it was very sad for me. It was like, like I said, losing an uncle. And the same thing with uh, Eddie. Eddie, someone who I watched, you know, even longer, and I watched him in WCW, and I watched him come to the WWE and do some really great stuff with the WWE and, you know, when I found out he passed away, it was just, you know, it's so sad. It was just, uh, you know, it's really painful when you have that sort of connection to these guys as a fan. And, you know, you, you see them every week. They're almost like a part of your family, too. I mean, uh, you know, you, you get close to them even though you yeah. don't know personally. You know, you feel that connection. They have that ability to connect with uh, with you, even just from watching at home, you know, not even if you're at the arena. But uh, exactly, JJ. Good point. Just like the, it's like a member of your family. You, you know these people. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. You, you hit the nail on the head once again, JJ. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what I felt with Owen and with Eddie. It was, you know, it was really hard. Absolutely. Okay, Dominic, do you have the uh, birthdays, celebrities, and uh, this year in history available? Uh, let's see. I think I got that in the other room. Yeah, when Owen Hart passed away, they had said that he was like everybody's little brother, like he was a friend to everybody, Owen Hart. And that really got to me, and Eddie Guerrero, too. Really, it's just, it hurts. All right. Uh 
today's the 10th. Let's see. These guys used to wrestle for Jim Kentner. Q-Ball Carmichael, Earl DePearl. We got promoter Howard Brody, Mexican star Hysteria. Antifaz del Norte from Mexico, who used to be known as Safari. Uh, celebrities, we got Linda Evangelista, Natalie Portman, F. Lee Bailey, Elizabeth Hurley, Hugh Laurie from House, and the day in wrestling history, June 10th, 1983, the NWA Missouri title is deemed vacant when Harley Race wins the NWA world title. And that's the day in history. You got one, another birthday, um, one of the greatest timekeepers of all time. We said it earlier, Captain Ivan. Yes. That's oh, yeah, right. wait a minute. I got it here with the wrestling fans and other hotline hosts. Yeah, Captain Ivan, that's right. Formerly, former hotline host, I got him on here, too. Right, and as Blackjack said, he, no one took time to took the time uh, like uh, Captain Ivan. One of the he greatest timekeepers of all time. Yep, he yes. used to go to the shows, give me or George and the results, seven minutes and 58 seconds, three minutes and 22 <laughs> seconds. He used to bring the stopwatch with him. Yes, and nobody could get it just like him. Nope. He uh, he was appreciated by Harvey Whippleman and the... Uh, Brooklyn Bro. You know, like Brooklyn Bulls, people like that, and the uh, WWE. Okay, they don't uh, even announce TNA. the time of the fall anymore. That's right. TNA is in Dallas this weekend, and it's one of their four paper. Well, it's what the second of four pay-per-views, I believe. It's in Dallas, and it's called Slam Aversary. And uh, our picks here today. We will uh, start with uh, Austin Aries against Kenny King. And uh, I am going to go with Austin Aries. Let's start with you, JJ. Who are you going to go with? Yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, Austin Aries a lot. I've always have, uh, been a fan of his. Kenny King is a part of MVP Stable. Their sort of uh, authority, as Dominic mentioned, for TNA. So I'm not sure if, uh, you know, Kenny King might have someone run in, cause interference. But uh, I would, I'd like to see Austin Aries get a big win at Slammiversary, one of their uh, big shows of the year. So I, I think I'm going to go probably, as much as I, I like Aries, I feel like Kenny King is going to somehow cheat and he's going to upset, uh, you know, a lot of the fans. So I guess I'm going to go with Kenny King. Okay, Dominic, what about you? All right. I like them both. Kenny King is the new kid basically there. He's shown he's got some stuff. He tweaked his character a little bit. Now he's the king of the night, like the gambler, the ladies' man. Anything that happens at night, Kenny King is there. Um, Austin Aries, we know what he can do. We know what he's done. I'm going to go with Austin Aries to win. I think somehow or another Kenny King may get disqualified. Oh, with run-ins wow. maybe by Bobby Lashley or MVP. Yeah. But it's going to be well, a good one. Yes, man. And you will be uh, getting that, Dominic? Yeah, oh, without a doubt, yeah. Are you sticking just strictly to uh, the TNAs? Yep, and even the pre-taped, uh, would... hey, even the pre-taped 
TNA pay-per-views are better than WWE. I think a lot of people would agree with you, the diehards at least. Uh, Blackjack, do you have an opinion for Austin Aries and Kenny King? Austin Aries. Uh, Cowboy James Storm. Austin Aries. Okay, Cowboy James Storm battles it out with Mr. Anderson. JJ, what do you think? Uh, I got Mr. Anderson. Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, uh, they've had a pretty interesting uh, feud the past few uh, impacts. You know, Mr. Anderson has always been trying to one-up James Storm. He's been kind of making fun of him being a redneck and a cowboy. So I, I definitely think uh, Mr. Anderson is going to get the win over James Storm somehow. You know, I think maybe Storm might try to cheat and use his uh, beer bottle, his signature beer bottle, but I think somehow Mr. Anderson will find a way to get that win. He, uh, he's definitely on a roll. He just beat. Uh, Samuel Shaw at the last pay-per-view, so I think he's going to continue with this momentum and beat James Storm as well. Dominic, your thoughts on Cowboy James Storm against Mr. Anderson? It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fight. I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Mr. Anderson to take it. And maybe Mr. Anderson will use one of his beer bottles for for a change. Oh. (laughs) Blackjack, James Storm, and uh, Mr. Kennedy, a.k.a. Mr. Anderson. Okay. Blackjack always in another club, but let's get back to Earth. Uh, (laughs) uh, What do you like, Blackjack, uh, Anderson or uh, Cowboy James Storm? Anderson. Okay. Willow. Battles it out with the big monster Magnus. I'll go with Magnus. But Double J, who do you got? You know, normally I would go with Jeff Hardy, too, who's uh, Willow. But I just feel like with this whole storyline that they've been having on Impact recently with uh, Magnus and his partner Bram, I definitely think Bram's going to do some type of interference and he'll probably cost uh, Willow the match. So I definitely think Magnus is going to get the win over Willow. Um, yes, I have to agree. Dominic, what's your uh, opinion on that? I'm going to go with Willow. I think Magnus and and, and, uh, and Bram are going to wind up beating the hell out of each other, and, and Willow's going to sneak in the pin and get the victory. Blackjack, uh, Magnus, or Willow? Why wouldn't Willow win it? I would say Willow. Okay, uh, former uh, main eventer of WrestleMania, Big Bobby Lashley dupes it out with Samoa Joe. I think the way things are cooking, Bobby Lashley gets the victory. JJ, so say you. Yeah, this should be a a very interesting match. You know, Samoa Joe, who's always, you know, always delivers at pay-per-views, and Lashley is definitely coming in with uh, a lot of fanfare. Of course, he has his, you know, MMA background. I think TNA really wants to push him. So I I definitely think Lashley could somehow get a win. Maybe this is another one of those cases where Kenny King does a run-in or MVP interferes and costs Joe the match. I definitely can't see Lashley uh, beating Joe cleanly. So I'm going to have to go with Lashley. 
Okay, Blackjack, uh, former WrestleMania Mania, uh, superstar, uh, Bobby Lashley, or Samoa Joe? Samoa Joe, unless um, they'll be outside the fairings, but I'd rather see uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, I'd be shocked if he if he loses. Okay, uh, we've been talking about him all night. Bully Ray battles it out with EC3. The next world champion, Bubba Ray. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to go with my man from New York, Bully Ray. JJ, what do you say? Yeah, Bully's been wanting to get his hands on a Carter for a long time. Uh, Ethan Carter the third, you know, Dixie Carter's supposed nephew. You know, I definitely think Bully is it just once he gets his hands on him, he's just gonna just beat the holy hell out of him. And it should be a, a hell of a fight. So I think Bully definitely will will just take that win. Hopefully, if he loses, I would be surprised. Me too. Dominic? Hi. Uh, you didn't ask me about Samoa Joe. I feel offended. I'm hurt. Oh, I'm no, no. Anyway. My... Nah, that's oh, all right. Boy, I'm going okay. to go with I Samoa Joe to beat Bobby Lashley. Yes. Joe just came back, and they're not going to make him lose to Bobby Lashley. Maybe Bobby's going to get disqualified, but Joe's going to get the win. As far as Bully Ray, he's go- he's going to take EC3's head off and shit down his neck. Really, that's about all that's left for him to do. He's already been put through a table. No, wait a minute, he has it. He's going to be put through a table. And that'll be two people <laughs> put through a table. Spud and now EC3. Bully all the way. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't think there's even a five, 1% chance that EC3 has a chance. I nope. probably would, would, you know, kill himself before he laid down for that piece of garbage, you no know, talented bum. Uh, and I'm just being, I'm just kidding, but that is the truth. Blackjack, oh, what do you say? Bubba, you gonna go Ray, with your friend? Of course. Uh, I would okay. be uh, surprised if he, if he lost that match. And also, do not be surprised if we see at some point in time Dixie Carter get thrown through the table. Oh, oh. I'd not rather have be surprised on a table, but well, uh, he did it to May Young. Why not to do it to Dixie Carter? Yeah, I think I was right, Blackjack. I tell you, I think that he's gunning happen. for her. When no you don't least did it to May Young, I got scared. You're gonna kill this old lady. <laughs> That's right. She survived everything. Yep. May she rest in peace. Definitely. She was uh, amazing. And uh, I got uh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be uh, something else. Um, in terms of the uh, Bully Ray EC3 match. And now you have the main event. It is for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. You should Champion. go to that show, man. You should finally get out. Go with me and the king. Who, me? No, you. Oh, uh, sure, I know. I would invite uh, J.J., but he's out, he's out in Chicago. Yeah. Well, words, we'll goes. go to the place where Bubba will be hanging out at, Rick's. Oh, all right. Rick's Cabaret, one of the best places in Man- Manhattan. 
he will be there. You know, that's his homecoming. He would not oh, miss yeah. the New York. It's going to be a huge party. Absolutely. But in the main event Sunday night for the World Heavyweight Championship match, EY, Eric Young defends his title against MVP. All right, this is a little bit of a bold pick. But since Eric Young reminds me of uh, Daniel Bryant, Daniel Bryant just was removed from the title and uh, copycat, if you will. I would not be surprised if MVP uh, wins the world championship, and that is my pick, MVP, to win the title, have a little shakeup, have people talking on the Internet. That's my pick for Sunday. JJ, let's go to you. You know, you bring up uh, an interesting uh, point, King, and I, I could see that, uh, whether or not uh, TNA is copying uh, WWE or if they have something else in the works. But uh, as Blackjack said earlier, you know, I definitely could see Bully Ray being champion by the end of the year, but he won't beat Eric Young for the title. I could see Bully Ray beating MVP for the title, and that could only happen if MVP wins the title this Sunday. So I, I think even as much as I like Eric Young, I'm, I'm happy he was the world champion, and I think he's been doing a, a great job changing being that goofy character that he used to be to be a more serious world champion. I have to go at MVP just because I would love to see that future match with Bully Ray taking on MVP. I think it will be a hell of a, a match, so I'm going with MVP. Dominic, what's your prediction? All right. MVP got a leg injury over in the U.K., oh, yeah. and he's he's hurt, but I haven't heard any update on him of whether he's going to make it to the pay-per-view or not. So we might just see a substitute in there for MVP. Oh. Either way, but if it's MVP or somebody else, I'm going with EY to retain. I don't want them to copy exactly Daniel Bryan, take the belt off him or make him lose or whatever the story <laughs> is. I think EY is going to hang on to that for a, quite a while. Because well, I, want to uh, see Bully Ray, I want to see Bully Ray beat up on Kenny King and um, Bobby Lashley. Bobby, yeah, right, and Bobby. Before he beats MVP, I want yeah. him to beat. I want him to beat all of them and put them all through tables and save yeah. MVP for last. Yeah. Okay, Blackjack. Who do you got, MVP or Eric Young, EY? I tell you, it's going to be a, a huge shakeup going on. I mean, I, at this point in time, you would think MVP, but someone else could come, come into this whole situation here and upset the whole roster. Wow. And um, I don't want to give away so much here, King. I, I'm sorry. It's just that it's going to be explosive what's about to happen. I, I just seen well, everything as you guys were describing how it's going to go down. I mean, I'm st still old school with all this stuff here. Like, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> you're going to see next week after the show's over. You got guys going to see something sh shocking. In TNA. Yes. Yes, I did hear something about that. 
And if it is true, holy cow, that's all I will say. The only way and, they can go uh, at this point. You just guys just gotta just speculate and just uh, speculate the unbelievable. And it's gonna work out for uh, TNA's benefit. If it doesn't come out, then I'll tell you guys next week after the show's over. Uh oh. Okay. Uh, definitely. Uh, I know what it is. Triple H comes out and says, "Hi, I just bought this." <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Oh I hope my! That would really change the game. That would really yeah. change the game. The I, think game. Get, uh, I think I'd get a heart attack. I think it'd be the big one. <laughs> it would be TNA down the drain. But, uh, yeah, exactly. It's going to see people that you you wouldn't expect in that organization. Finally, they're going to make a move. Yes. Within the next four months, things are going to happen. It's about time. Um, different things happen. Things change very quickly. But uh, I wanted to get into the Daniel Bryan situation. Wait a, Wait a minute. Let me ask you something. What about the bromance? Aren't um, Jesse's gonna be gone? Isn't DJ Zima teaming with one of the other guys? And aren't yeah. they supposed to? What about the Wolves? They're the tag team champions. They're not on the show. Well, I'm sure they might announce something at the last minute. I'm not even sure if the the Von Erics. There's a talk about how that's Marshall right. The Von Erics is supposed Eric. to be on Ross and Marshall Von Erich. So they might have some <laughs> sort of yeah, from the official website. The uh, uh, Von Erichs will be there, okay. and uh, they, of course, were inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame. So uh, there's a press release. If you go to TNA Wrestling, the Von Erich family will appear there this Sunday, and uh, that's a very unique family tragedy triumph and everything. I but think they should have Sonata for, on this show, too. I think they should have uh, Ultimo Tiger, or whatever his name is, Extreme Tiger, on this show. I don't know. I guess you can't book everybody. You know, hopefully more. Yes, and of course, those of you listening in Dallas, tickets for Slammiversary started only at $12 in I, honor of the company's 12th anniversary. And, we got no uh, girls' they, match? No. No, oh, that's us. Maybe it will be added. Yeah, I think um, they're gonna add a couple. So this is at, this is the twelfth anniversary and the superstars of Impact Wrestling scheduled to appear at Slammiversary include Magnus, uh Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, Director of Wrestling Operations, MVP, Bobby Roode, Mr. Anderson. And Ethan Carter the third. So uh, I guess you'll see Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy, but uh, not um, in terms of wrestling at least yet. So uh, we don't have a bit on the card either, no. No abyss. For a 12-year anniversary, you would think they would do a little bit better. Yeah, but, uh, really. Bobby, what about Bobby Roode? 
Bobby Roode. Oh, wait I a minute. He got that suspended indefinitely thing. Yeah. Right, right. So, yes, we did. Uh, a lot of good matches, I'll tell you. Austin Aries, Kenny King is going to be a, a wild one. Uh, Kenny Anderson and Cowboy is going to be a great one. Lashley and Joe is going to be a good brawl. Uh, and EY and MVP could pick up the, the night, Dominic. What do you think? I think so, too. I think this is a very good card. Like I said, you can't use everybody, but there's a lot of guys are missing. You never know what they're going to do, though. No question about it. Um, JJ, now, uh, what were your thoughts when Daniel Bryant, you found out, was stripped of the title and we played the clip earlier? Uh, did you see that coming? Well, it was unfortunate. I think they really were hoping that uh, the situation with his neck would be going about a lot better and that he could maybe make it in time for money in the bank. A lot of They were unsure for a few weeks, and a lot of fans were speculating, how could you be unsure if he can return or not? Either he can or he can't. But, you know, the WWE nowadays, with the physicals and the, the wellness policy, they have to make sure the superstars are able. They don't want guys going out there and, have, and having an even worse injury or, or something, so they were protecting Daniel Bryan. But as they just discovered, uh, they, they talked to his doctor, and he was he's just not ready yet. Uh, it, like I said, there are even reports that his uh, re- rehabilitation wasn't going as smooth as they would have liked and that he did lose uh, some strength. You know, so he has to really, he has a, a long way ahead of himself. But it wasn't a serious injury, but at the same time, you know, any time you involve you know, your neck, you know, you just got to be very precautious. They they don't want to make anything worse by having them come back too soon, and then he could, you know, something really tragic could happen, and his career could be over permanently. So, unfortunately, they did what was best for business, and you can't have someone who's the champion and then not compete. You know, I think they tried to, you know, extend it as long as they could. I mean, they worked so hard to put the title on him after all those months of screwing him over, then WrestleMania, and he finally won the title, and then his father just passed away, and they think they just wanted to give him that title just to last just a little bit longer, but uh, they didn't strip him right away, but now they really have no option. It was something that needed to be done. There needs to be a WWE champion. I was sad for Daniel Bryan, because the guy's really busted his ass for the last year, and, you know, as I mentioned, he's been screwed over for months since uh, last uh, SummerSlam, and he's been getting unfair shots and opportunities, and the fans really kind of, you know, just took the ball for him, and they've been cheering them on, rooting for him. And he mentioned before that he's been very lucky in his career, you know, when he came to the WWE and, you know, he won money in the bank, and then Mark Henry got hurt. So then he cashed in money in the bank, became the champion. They kind of screwed him out of his first WrestleMania, and he lost in 18 seconds. And yet the fans rebelled against that, and then they really went in his corner, and they started supporting him and backing him with the yes chant. And then they demanded, you know, when Punk walked out, they lost their number two guy. So then Brian pretty much was forced to step up, and the fans are behind him. So they gave him his WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 30. He won the title. He was on top of the world. And then, the, you know, this injury now is just pretty much completely shaken up, you know, the title situation. And now there's no champion. And every year they have this Money in the Bank ladder match where a superstar gets the opportunity to get the briefcase. The briefcase has a contract. 
that makes that superstar the number one contender in which they can cash in that contract at any point in time over the next year. And they could, uh, at any moment, you know, the fans love that sort of excitement that money in the bank brings because you're always speculating, you know, when is they going to cash the title? Will it be on a Raw? Will it be on a SmackDown? Will it be on a pay-per-view? Even if they already wrestle a match to open the show, they could still close the show, cash the briefcase, and win the title. It's, it's very exciting. It's always lots of fun. You know, Dolph Ziggler's career was made when he cashed in his uh, money in the bank and he won the world title. Fans were blew the roof off for him. And uh, other guys like CM Punk and, uh, you know, so many guys have had great moments. Uh, Rob Van Dam, Edge. Edge built his career at being the ultimate opportunist because he was the money in the bank, uh, the first money in the bank winner. So uh, it's, it's pretty sad to think that this Sunday, or not this Sunday, but at the end of the month when they have their Money in the Bank pay-per-view, as of now, it's only been announced that they're having one sort of ladder match, and it is for the vacant WWE World Championship. Whether or not they add a second Money in the Bank so that someone has that opportunity in the future, I don't know, because basically now you're having your Money in the Bank ladder match for the title, so you're having at least six or seven superstars. That's a lot of your main eventers in that match. How could you have a second Money in the Bank ladder match? Who's going to be in there? You know, Yoshitatsu, Kofi Kingston, Zack Ryder? I mean, they're going to be running out of talent. So At I don't this know point, you might as well bring back Brock Lesnar or CM Punk. Well, I mean, Brock Lesnar is all about contract. If you negotiate with Brock Lesnar for the right price, maybe he will come back. But as of right now, there's no negotiation with CM Punk. He wants nothing to do with it for now. Uh, Dominic, what's your thoughts? Well, the Daniel Bryan thing came as no shock. I read it on the websites that he was losing strength in his arm while rehabbing, not gaining strength. I said, I don't think this kid's going to be ready. And then they announced on Raw with Dr. Maroon or Dr. Burgundy, whatever his name is, that he's not going to be ready. And I put something on my hotline tonight this morning. While these guys are trying to get the belts, both belts are going to be hanging from up there above the ladder. Yeah. Suppose you got two guys grabbing for the belts, and they each grab a belt, jump off the ladder or fall off whatever, one guy's got one belt, and one guy's got the other belt. Mm. What are they going to do? Like in bowling, have an 11, 11th frame roll-off? <laughs> or is, will, they, will that be another added match to the pay-per-view? Oh, wow. That's an interesting uh, dilemma. Unless Daniel but, Bryan uh, really is ready, and he comes in at the last minute and cashes in, Somehow, I don't know. I don't think he's really going to be there because he really isn't ready. But for, I don't know, I'm worried about who's going to grab those belts. Those belts ain't going to fall in somebody's hands, both of them together. Those belts are going to get mixed up, and it's going to wind up with two people, one with each having one belt and one having another belt. And the next pay-per-view, they'll put them two guys together, and whoever wins gets both belts. Then the pay-per-view after that, Daniel Bryan wins it back again. That would be SummerSlam, I think. I think that, yeah, I think that takes us to SummerSlam. Oh, wow. That would be very interesting. And right now, there's nobody to cheer for. Uh, 
like Daniel Bryan, I mean, he gets the crowd up in the roars with that yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's really uh, heartbreaking that such a great talent is not being used because of his yeah. severe injury. Yep. And uh, we could only hope that uh, he comes back because, uh, frankly, uh, you know, it's hard watching the WWE without Daniel Bryan at the center of attention because right now I think he's the best thing they have cooking. What about that and, bunny guy? What about the bunny guy? <laughs> well, get the hell out of here with that bunny. No, please. <laughs> but, uh, yes, the serious note, uh, so Daniel Bryan. The way they're gearing, gearing their, the audience, they might give him the title uh, shot. He could be One time there. they did use Zack Ryder as that bunny, so why the hell not if it's Zack Ryder give him a title shot? Yeah. Well, injury makes for uh, opportunity, they say. And, they uh, said on one of the shows, it. one of the uh, behind uh, the bunny was the Brooklyn Brawler. Maybe oh, really? he did it once too. Sure. Yeah, I heard. Oh Jay. yeah, Brooklyn Brawler has been a lot of things in this company. And JJ, uh, did you hear Double P? Pat Patterson will be coming out of the closet. Well, here's the thing. This week, Legends House will be airing their season finale. And uh, last week, they got it very personal. They actually did a roast with Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and Piper really bonded with a lot of the legends, and they were talking about uh, he was glad they didn't pull any punches, and they could have addressed some very personal matters during the roast, and he was very thankful to everyone. And it got very serious on this show for the first time. And then they've been showing uh, sort of commercials for the season finale, in which all the wrestlers kind of make these uh, very big reveals about their personal life, about their family, about, you know, their wives and their kids, and just uh, they get into very emotional about what they're talking about. And Pat Patterson addressed that, you know, he was tired of walking on eggshells. He was tired of living, you know, and being phony. He wants to be himself, and uh, that he has something that he wants to get off his chest. So, I mean, it's very possible that the season finale of Legends House could uh, invoke uh, Pat Patterson into discussing that, you know, he is, you know, an openly gay man. It's something that they've never talked about, you know, on WWE television, so it would be a very huge reveal for uh, Legends House. Wow. Who would they be revealing that to? He would be revealing it to the other members of Legends House, Jimmy Hart, Mean Gene Okerlund, Howard Finkel, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Hillbilly Jim, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I would think if that was the case, wouldn't that be that uh, they already know? What, what's that to reveal? <laughs> well, it's all for television. It's all about the cameras. Blackjack. Blackjack, that's a great comment. Wouldn't they be the first people to know it? I mean, we know it. We ain't wrestlers. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But as JJ pointed out, they wanted the media to know because yeah. I guess, you know, with these people coming out, left Young. and right. What is it, the fashionable thing of, of this year? Look at that Robin Roberts. Everybody knew about that. It was just that basically the, the fans of these people, the fan champions, that guy, uh, these basketball players. Yeah. What's the big well, deal? The problem, the, the problem with Pat coming out 
is he has been accused by a number of people that he, uh, you need to do something. Uh, this is according to the Phil Donahue show on YouTube, Scandals of 1992. A guy named Hodges, Maury Hodges or something, was like a Sean Mooney type character. And uh, the, he, the accusation was if you don't sleep with me, you're fired. And he did get fired. And there was a couple others, uh, Barry O, uh, I believe. So that's the only issue because Pat Patterson, uh, nobody cares, I don't think, if he's gay. But if you do things to kids or you do things like that, uh, it puts a, uh, a very bad light on Pat Patterson uh, with those things on YouTube and stuff. You know what I mean, JJ? Oh, exactly. But uh, as we mentioned, you know, this won't be like Darren Young. Darren Young came out, and a lot of people were positive, and there was all this sort of mainstream attention with Pat Patterson. I don't know if that's going to happen, as you mentioned, due to all these allegations. So it will be very interesting to see what airs uh, this Thursday on Legends House and then how – basically the mainstream media and what happens and what develops because you know they love digging up stories and all this all these accusations will come to light see i always like pat question, patterson because pat patterson don't flame it up but right. you know if coming out is so cool why do they wait so fucking long to come out and admit it well, the scenario I would say is that you have these big stars, especially the Michael Sam guy from football. I guess it may, you know, it's just a guess. I think it makes people that are gay feel like, hey, if these superstars could come out, you know, let me do it. Like, that, that's the scenario, Blackjack. What do you think of the, that possibility of Mr. Patterson? revealing that he is a homosexual. I would say big deal. <laughs> Even though the accusations are there. They'll be there for, uh, in every promotion, and not just wrestling, but in basketball and in, in, in life. That still goes on. Hollywood. But what the accusations that they make against these people. That just goes on in life. You know what and I'm saying? They, that's right, Blackjack. You're 100% right. But the problem is that... Even on right, these, uh, well, these newscasters, uh, they got to uh, get accustomed with, with that kind of environment. That's just the, the nature of the beast of the way people are. Well, you heard you know, the guy that used to be on Channel Seven, Sam Champion. He never, yeah. he never flamed it up. You know, it's it's like these guys that flame it up, like from the past, like Charles Nelson Riley. You you knew it, Paul <laughs> Lind. You knew it just by the way their actions and, uh, and their mannerisms. And Liberace too. Up, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, but he had it and sued people. Uh, for saying that they that 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 the right that he was gay and he won. Who? Liberace. Oh yeah, he was gay. Of course he was. And Elton said John. that he said Elton that he John was one of my favorite and he won a uh, 
millions of dollars. Yep. You know, Elton John's one of my favorite performers. Look at Rock he, Hudson. He's gay, but he don't Look flame it up. Look at Rock Hudson. Remember him? Who? I Rock Hudson. I think what Dominic is trying to say is that there's a certain uh, feminine way that the gays act, and uh, some of the gays just act like regular people, and you wouldn't even know it. That's uh, right. I think that's what you're getting at, uh, Dominic. Right? Yeah, yeah. Look at uh, even this, I'm not going to say any more, but there's people that are still undercover with that stuff. They're still not out. Yep. I mean, when when, well, when Ross Palillo from Welcome Back Hotter died. Look what they used to say about uh, Oprah and that uh, Gail King. <laughs> Who? Well, now that's just speculation. That's what it all is, but still they uh, accused them of uh, Oprah Winfrey of engaging with that, uh, uh, they said that guy Stedman was a, was a queer guy. <laughs> well, you know, that was the allegation. About you. We don't know, but uh, let's uh, sum up this uh, pay-per-view and uh, some other notes in the WWE, JJ. Uh, uh, what do you think uh, about this uh, situation now with Daniel Bryan basically out? Do you think WWE takes a big hit now? Well, I think, yes, you're taking uh, their, one of their top guys who, uh, Dominic said, the fans were really behind, and now that he's gone, and you don't really have that person next in line. You know, you could give the title to Cena, but he's already a 14-time world champion, 15 times isn't going to, you know, save the company or anything. Nobody really wants to see him as the 15-time world champion. I mean, it's been there, done that. And unless he, you know, changes his, his character, we've seen this John Cena and the champions here before. So I, I don't want to see John Cena back in the spotlight. As Dominic mentioned, Randy Orton, another guy who's been there, done that, a 12-time world champion. He's someone who I wouldn't want to see as champion. His last title reign was kind of weak at best, and this is really that time to push new talent. They need somebody to step up. They need to get behind somebody because they don't have that next in line. They don't have someone to take Daniel Bryan's spot. I mean, I hope uh, it ain't Bray Wyatt. I mean, it, it very well could be. I mean, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, it could be, but I hope it ain't. There's only four uh, people in the Money in the Bank match announced so far. Right now, there's Alberto Del Rio, there's Randy Orton, there's Sheamus, and there's Cesaro. It could be Cesaro. He's really hot right now after winning WrestleMania, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. He's got right. Paul Heyman by his side, which is gold. But uh, I don't know if Cesaro's ready yet, especially if Brock Lesnar comes back. You have Brock Lesnar versus Cesaro and Heyman in the middle. That's one scenario. But uh, I don't know anyone who's in this match who really deserves it. You could give it to Dolph Ziggler, but then Dolph Ziggler's been losing and been being buried for the last few weeks on, on WWE television. So yeah, I don't... he's buried. He opened up his mouth backstage for some reason a while ago, and now he, he can't buy a victory. I mean, there's Batista, but now he's off doing Now he's moves. gone, too. Yeah, so who else do you really have ready to take that spot? I don't know. Nope. I wish Vince McMahon would invest in uh, or try with uh, AJ Styles. I'm not saying yeah. giving him the world title, but yeah. he never was nah, in WWE. 
I know he never would, but I, I wish he would consider it. He was very popular in TNA. You could yeah. argue that he was the most popular uh, TNA guy ever. I yeah. mean, uh, if anything, uh, he would have awesome matches. And, uh, you know, he's still in his prime. And yeah. uh, I would uh, AJ would be great right now. The, the WWE, they don't have a... Uh, a great wrestler anymore, you know. As we said, uh, uh, John Cena only has a couple of moves, but uh, that's the story. I think AJ Styles is a great pick. Yes, I mean it would get wrestling fans talking, which is something they need desperately to get a good buzz. And for AJ Styles to come into the WWE, whether or not they put him immediately in the title picture. It would get people talking, oh, my God, did you see AJ Styles? I guarantee you that would be the number one trend on social media, AJ Styles in a WWE ring. But uh, at the end of the oh day, my God. I think if AJ Styles did come to WWE one day, they would probably put him in their farm system, and he would be headlining NXT. Oh, no. no. See, oh, that's, that's a mistake. No, no. Please, I would not like that. But oh, man, to I'm tell you the truth, I'd rather see Devon come back and upset everything. Well, uh, we shall see. Uh, do you have any of these anxiety, depression, stress, PTSD addictions, food addictions, cocaine addictions, bring eating and eating disorders? Tomorrow's a show to listen to. Join Take Jordan Radio with Debbie Williams tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on Thursday, we're going to have Joey Jackson talk about the Tracy Morgan situation and the Oscar Batoyas trial. Thanks to uh, our friend Dominic Valente, uh, JJ, and uh, Blackjack. Uh, thank you so much. So and soon, King? Speak- My brother, yeah, I'll see you soon. Glad to be here. Always a pleasure, Let's guys. Leave Thanks. Yep. Let's leave it with the uh, Wyatt family uh, theme. Take care, everybody. Good night, everybody. Here's the Wyatt. Absolutely.